Welcome to all of you out there. It's the boys from Rotosaurus. We are back and we are bringing you the high stakes heat. I'm Jake Hellisker. You can find me at The Dustmite on Twitter. Alongside me is the victorious Dave McDonald. Dave, how you doing, man? Good, dude. Yeah, feels good to win our first round matchup, even if only by zero point five percent. We are, we are. No, it was one percent. It was one percent. We are. It was fifty and a half to forty nine and a half percent. We're talking, of course, about the uh, the baseball at baseball pods, pods uh, fantasy baseball podcast bracket put on by Chris at Baseball Pods on Twitter. Uh, we had our first round matchup as a seven seed against uh, the our friends, the Diggers Pod. Yeah, yeah, we were. It was it was bittersweet to go up against uh, Robbie and Ty. We we both enjoy their show. Dave, yeah. you happened to be on their show <laughs> before we we were announced as challengers. I know in the first round, and they were like, "So do we release the pod with you on it like during this to to try to get your listeners to listen to?" Or I was like, "Yeah, uh, yeah. you guys I, couldn't I can't promote, promote it <laughs> for at least a couple days. That really sucked." Exactly, but yeah, like you said, uh, they're really good guys. We had a really fun back and yeah, forth. It's with a them. really good episode. Um, we did we did good back and forth too on Twitter between the Rotosaurus uh, uh, handle, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they were they were talking about cutting us up and serving us as because Robbie's a chef, and uh, we were talking about eating him. So in the end, the Dino won. <laughs> yeah, barely the Dino. Barely it. I, barely. I swear, I feel like we were watching that all day. It did not feel at all like anybody was up more than a dozen votes at any time. Yeah, because I think the largest margin was a four percent lead. Yeah, the entire and that day. was real early where, yeah. like you know, like you said, a dozen votes would have swung it. Insane. Yeah, I think it ended up being over eight hundred votes, and we were only separated by one percentage point. That's crazy. Yeah, so I, we we were really, uh, you know, trying to be as gracious as possible. We enjoyed oh, yeah. winning. You know, we're we're happy we won, but it did feel it felt a little bittersweet to beat beat somebody that we respect. For sure, um, it was. It was also though. It was really nice to see the support from the industry and anything and our and our friends and yeah, our other uh, podcast sure. people out there and. Um, and you know, it's been really nice to, and rewarding to be able to give back to them and support them in return. Yeah. It was nice to go up on the first day and then be able to relax and and help out our friends. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, that's what this tournament's all about getting exposure for, you know, a lot of smaller to mid-sized pods like us and, uh, like a lot of these other guys. And, um, it's really cool to get exposure for these guys because there's a lot of great pods, a lot of good information out there. And, um, you know, I really encourage everybody, um, to not just vote, but also to listen to some new yeah. pods and see what else is out I've, there. I've already added some new ones in my rotation. I have to oh, cool. listen to your uh, pod with the the Rota Surgeon. Yeah, with Kev. Yeah, Kev. He's a great guy. Um, that was that was a lot I, of fun. I had not heard his pod before, so I'm in the process of getting that one. It's in my queue. I have. I'm so backed up right now. It's not even funny. I've I've pushed everything as close to two X as I can get pretty much. I'm, I'm at 1.7 to 1.9, depending on the pod. I've actually been able to start listening to a closer to that speed now. Yeah. It's, it's, as I get used to it, it's getting easier to move up. I move up incrementally. It doesn't seem as big of a difference if I'm going up 0.1 or 0.2 at a time. So I'm kind of having to do that. So I'll be at 2% by the time we get to March probably. (laughs) Cause I'm, I got like 25, 30 pods sitting in my queue do what you gotta that do. I can't get through. Yeah. yeah. So big thanks to Chris at Baseball Pods and also to Yancey Eaton who helped him seed everybody in that tournament and put that whole thing together. Yep. It's been thanks, a lot of Yancey. fun. And, and Yancey who definitely uh, supports our pod as well. And um, yep. yeah, yeah, thanks, we guys. appreciate that. Um, so thanks both of you. Uh, we want to also announce that we're going to be on the Potapalooza with Justin Mason. Yeah. Uh, today is... Well, it's Thursday Friday. night, Friday morning, so it'll be Saturday, the 27th of February, uh, and the 28th. I will be on on Saturday at 5.30. I got a pretty good time slot, and also 
an insane panel that I'm yeah. along with. Real um, nice panel. Both of us do, but Ooh, sure. I'm with Vlad Sedler, Scott Jenstad, Rudy Gamble, and Toby Batfoot Batf crazy. crazy. Like, I mean, I, everybody's going to be, yep, I know him, I know him, I know him, and who are you? <laughs> oh, come on, Jake. People know who you are. A few people do. At least three of the four of them interact with me on a <laughs> I was say, regular they, basis. They all know who yeah. you are. Yeah, I don't know if Rudy does. I, I think no Rudy. Idea. I think Rudy does. I have no idea. But uh, yeah, so that'll be great. Uh, we're discussing NFBC stuff. It's pretty much NFB centric uh, segment. Yeah, as well as yours. Yep. I mean, it's right in our wheelhouse, obviously. So we're we're very happy to Justin for putting us on those panels. And you're going to be with Rob Silver and Matthew Davis and John Fish, our boy John Fish. Yeah, really so, should be a lot of fun. Also, yeah. it's um, gonna it's gonna be a little more it, contentious. Yeah, probably. I I think. <laughs> I think uh, I think that segment's gonna be. Uh, I think that was by design. A little less nice and a little more direct, but um... <laughs> but it's not like you're not gonna be openly debating whether or not Jacob Degrom should go in the first round. So. No, yeah. Um, and John Fish was um, DMing me, and he's like, "This is just gonna be like." You giving these really good explanations and me just being like, yep, everything Dave just said. <laughs> He's like, you and I are just too similar. And I'm like, no, John, you know what? You need to be the one to do this, and then I'll just back you up. I'll just ride your coattails on this one. How about that, buddy? <laughs> so it'll be fun. Tune in yeah, to hear what Rob and Dave get into oh, on God, that Oh, God, I don't want – no. <laughs> just stop. <laughs> All right, I'll stop. I won't stop. Okay. Uh, we are going to also uh, have one of our Rotosaurus tumblers raffled off during Dave's segment, yeah. which is nice. Uh, we we were able to give Justin one of those for somebody to win. Um, I saw there's that, a ton. I, I saw it was listed as cool from things. Jacob Hallisker, you yeah. greedy bastard. It, it was on my uh, Potapalooza application. So. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 I didn't. I mean, it's I, coming from our pod funds. It's definitely from me too. You dick. No, I like that he put it in your segment, but he said it was from. <laughs> I know. Me. Like what the hell? That's excellent. Come and, that, on. and that was tweeted out publicly too. So I, everybody gets to see that. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so tune in on Saturday and Sunday. So again, that's Saturday the 27th at 5.30 p.m. And Dave's on at 1 p.m. I don't think I said that before. So yeah. February 28th, Sunday at 1 p.m. So we both got really you prime want, time slots. And also, uh, partially because I, I don't know yet because I haven't looked. How do we get to that Potapalooza? Uh, well, it is a StreamYard link for us, but I know Justin's going to have it on. Uh, it's, I'm sure it'll be a, a broadcast live on YouTube. Okay, so you probably think Twitch. Maybe follow Justin and make yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely follow Justin. Justin. Justin Mason FWFB on Twitter. Right. Yeah, and and he'll probably tweet it out. Um, oh yeah, it'll that, be that it'll day. be all over Fantasy Baseball Twitter. So there you go. I don't I don't think there will be a hard time finding it. Fair enough. Um, today on the show we are going to hit on some major news, uh, tips that we will get into some tips on uh, kind of navigating unclear closing situations. Not not necessarily a bunch of specific ones, but kind of general rules that you can take with you to your analysis sessions and then into your drafts. Uh, we'll talk about uh, some recent tweets that Dave has put out there on uh, Ad Alberto Mondesi and Jacob deGrom. Well, the, the latter got a little bit of extra play on Twitter Ooh. a few days ago. Boy, did it. Um, then we'll have a hashtag no filter segment. And then after the break, we'll be joined by our boy Tony DiVincenzo, a uh, member of our consortium, Dave's main event partner, and also Dave's uh, tag team draft partner. So we're going to analyze and talk about their uh, tag team NFBC draft organized by Matthew Davis, the aforementioned Matthew Davis uh, with the NFBC. So it's 15 teams, 30 rounds, fab with um, 
everybody has a partner. So yeah. it's 30 drafters for a 15-team league. Yep. It was good. And it's a lot of lot of names that you know. Oh, boy, is it. Yep. And that's going to be our show for today. So let's start off with uh, kind of a, a not something we expected, but it's still a pretty interesting thing to talk about. Uh, the Blue Jays, their, uh, President Marsha Pyro says that the club's plan for this season includes some combination of Dunedin, their spring training home in Florida. Thank you, Yancey Eaton. Yeah, Dunedin. Uh, the, we got a realtor friend to tell us about that one. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Who lives down, uh, what, Fort uh-huh. Myers or something, uh-huh. right? Yep. Yeah, Fort Myers. And uh, their AAA affiliate in Buffalo, our former Cleveland AAA affiliate in Buffalo. Ah, yes. And also Toronto and the Rogers Center. Now, it seems highly unlikely that the Canadian government is going to allow <clears throat> the Blue Jays to have major league games in Toronto. I, yeah. I think we can kind of assume that that's not going to happen. He's just kind of saying it. Just for publicity's sake, I mean, or to save face. Yeah, I don't know that they're going to open up the borders for that. No, I, I can't see that happening at least until close to the end of the season, and by then, you know, why screw around with it? Yeah, I would say don't count on it. Yeah. So, kind of, we just have to look at Dunedin and Buffalo. We got some information on how MLB will play in Buffalo, but uh, Derek Carty put out some information on Twitter. Yeah, about really good the Dunedin thread. Park. Yeah. Yeah. Dave, why don't you get into that for us? Uh, yeah, he, you know, Derek Derek Cardi has the bat, uh, is his projection system in the bat X, and uh, he was talking about, you know, offensively how they compare the different parks from Toronto to Buffalo to, to Dunedin, and uh, Dunedin was, uh, he has it as the seventh ranked, in, according to what he projects it, how, how he projects it to play based on its dimensions and everything. Uh, it's got the sixth shortest fence distance, um, Amongst all MLB stadiums, it's got the 15th shortest fence height. Um, it's got a solid black wall for the batter's eye, which is really good. Yeah, that's nice. A lot, um, of, a lot of parks don't have that. Yeah. And then, uh, Jake, I don't know if you want to talk about the yeah, power alley. Also, the the, well, it's, the dimensions are not symmetrical, as most parks are not. Right. The right center power alley is particularly short. Uh, it's only 363 feet to uh, dead right center, which is pretty, pretty short. Uh, so that would make your left-handed power play up right side or the uh, left side the left center is 380 so it's a pretty drastic difference there unfortunately for the blue jays they only <laughs> they only have two left-handed bats on the in the projected offensive lineup and that is kevin biggio and rowdy tellez who were unsure on playing time yeah with. we don't even know if Rowdy's that, gonna that get lineup time. they don't have any switch hitters yeah it's almost all righties, and so, I haven't I haven't looked yet to see if anybody you know uh, particularly hits, drives hits, the ball hits a lot of way. opposite yeah. field stuff uh, of their righties, but and I don't think Kevin is is Kevin Biggio a pull guy? You know, honestly, I, I have that up. no idea. Um, I'll look that up while you're talking. Okay, well, basically the bottom line is uh, Derek's analysis was pretty much what we expected, and, and that's that Dunedin is going to play. Uh, hitter friendly and uh, definitely going to be a tough place for pitchers, um, especially. You know, starting in Dunedin, um, you know, it's going to be – they're not starting in Toronto where it's cold, Jake. You know, if you think about normally Toronto's playing cold weather early on, now they're going to be in warm weather. Yep. So oh, for sure. I mean, it's, the, it's the bats are going to be able to start hot. Um, Toronto bats – the the only problem is trying to figure out the playing time there, man. Like, that's the big thing. Uh, we're still kind of waiting for some clarification there. We'll obviously get some uh, as spring training comes here, but uh, – yeah, regardless, even when they go back to Buffalo for some games, probably in around midsummer, um, Buffalo I would plays. Say, I would say it would be earlier than that. Okay, just just because of how hot, humid, sticky, and also rainy 
you know, Florida is known for, you know, pretty frequent, you know, bursts of rain. So right. And they don't would, have, a, and they don't have a roof either. Right. It's a, it's a, you know, an 8,000 seat stadium. So yeah. it's not, it doesn't have anything like a roof. So I, I don't see any way that they could stay in Florida past like mid June. And even then that's okay. probably pushing it. Yeah. I mean, by the, by the time it's close to summer or close to the end of May, Buffalo is going to be more than habitable. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, Buffalo is also a great hitters park. Uh, yep. You know, Derek has Dunedin as seventh and Buffalo as 10th. Doesn't 10th seem a little low? Did, weren't they calling Buffalo like court, like the AL Coors last year? Uh, over Camden? I thought uh. so. I don't know. Either way, um, I thought Buffalo played a lot more hitter friendly. Um, I think it also depends on, you know, whether you're talking about power. Yeah, power, or, average. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the bottom line is Toronto is going to be a good place for your bats, uh, not a great place for your pitchers. You're yeah. probably going to want good, to good play both good parks to not target. to mention the lineup is going to crush your pitchers. Yeah, both if you're good going to parks them. to ti- uh, to to target uh, if you got your road teams coming in there yeah. for a weekend series in an NFBC like a half week kind of offensive scenario. Yep, especially if you got some some good left handed bats uh, in that that Dunedin Park based on the that power alley. Um, I did look up Kevin Biggio. He's Close to fifty percent pull both the last two seasons in the majors. So okay, that so could it could be useful. It could play for him. We just yeah. don't know. Like, where is he going to hit in the lineup? Right. Where you know is he going to play I'm, every day? Yeah, it's not really a target talking, for me still. But they're talking about him at third. So you know, we're he's probably going to be playing third most days. I don't know about every day. Um, and then I, yeah, where is he going to hit? Is he going to hit ninth? Is he going to hit seventh? Sixth, is he going to hit seventh? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's we we got spring training games starting in a couple days, so. We'll see yeah. what they start doing with their lineups, and I know you. I know you. Mike Curlin's going to be looking at those lineups really deep, for sure. Yep. So we'll see what they do. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's one of the burning questions that many fantasy prospective owners of Blue Jays are are going to have these next few days, because nobody really knows officially what they're doing. And they're say I I know that uh, they said that Springer could hit anywhere from first to third, so they haven't even decided or publicly said where Springer's going to hit in that lineup. I would That's a big first. domino that has to fall. I would think so too. Yeah, uh, based on his success there. Yeah, in in the Astro for or on, uh, for the Astros. So we'll see. Um, but yay, spring training games are starting soon. Yeah, let's get it going. And we have a lot less COVID cases Thank than God. usual. Speaking of which, uh, Shane Bieber had COVID. He's back. He had mild symptoms, but he's already been back since last Saturday. Are you? Do you have any concern there at all? I mean, we'll we'll see him throw. Yeah, but nobody's said that his workouts have been anything less than normal. So. The way it was kind of presented to us was it was almost like a quick, you yeah, twenty four hour, forty eight right. hour flu, and yep. then like that was it. Um, I don't, you know, some people are like, well, there could have longer ranging effects. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. It's it's hard to put a lot of stock into that because like we saw, I mean, we we did see some people who really struggled with COVID last year, but I'm pretty sure they all had those were the more ones than that mild had symptoms, symptoms right? that lasted a while. I mean, like Scott Kingery comes yeah. to mind. Moncada, right? Moncada, oh yeah, yeah, definitely Moncada. Meadows, but then you have your Freddie Freeman who, you know, right? Freddie like Freeman on his deathbed, and then, and then he yeah. came back and. MVP. But yeah, the the three you said are. Are, were very prime examples of guys that were just completely hampered by it the right. entire season. So. And I'll have to go back and look and see whether it was considered mild or whether it was pretty serious, like symptomatic or non-symptomatic. No, I know, I know, Kingery was out for a while, but he had it early on. He was, he even came back during summer training, but he just he looked like garbage, yeah, like, throughout the whole season. Metals was out a long while, yeah, 
Uh, Moncada was out a decent amount. So obviously we're not talking too. about those with Bieber because he, you know, mild case, right. obviously not the same along the same types of lines. So for now, I'm I'm not really downgrading Bieber. I don't think, and I I might be wrong to do that. I know a lot of people were expecting me to say because I'm I avoid injuries, but uh, I don't know. I'm not really seeing if he's out for a couple of days and he comes back. I don't really. It's only you know it's still February. You know, we're not even into March right. yet. Yeah, we got time still. We'll, we'll see. So, I mean, if he's throwing fine in spring for four weeks, I think we'll be sure. fine drafting him sure. in Maine. Well, I guess the that. question is, would you draft him right now? Would I draft? Yeah, I, I think I would. I, I don't think I would. I, would, I don't yeah. think I'd be downgrading an a elite starter in the top two or three, depending on how you look at it. Because right, of, especially if, other, if you think yeah. other guys have Yeah, because if concerns. you think like we do that there is a bit of a drop-off after those top right. couple. Yeah, right. Uh, Franchi Cordero, the newest, one of the newest Boston Red Sox, has COVID also, but we don't know if he's symptomatic or not. It was revealed uh, two days ago. Yeah, two days ago, the twenty. Well, two or three days ago. I do that every pod. Twenty second um, <laughs> that he had COVID, but we still don't know if he had symptoms or not. But he's supposedly going to be rejoining camp as early as Monday, so it must not be that bad. Uh, Frankie Montas has COVID also, but he just came back or he had COVID. He came back on Thursday, so we'll see how he ramps up. That was another one that didn't appear to be um, a big symptom problem. This is kind of a weird one. Uh, Jose Abreu, tested positive during intake for spring training. He's fully asymptomatic, so no symptoms at all. Likely, it looks like he had it in January because as they were testing him, they noticed that he had antibodies Hmm. from something before. And he said that he had mild flu-like symptoms in January, but never got tested. Huh, okay. At least according to what I read. So that's a puzzling situation. So whether it's a false positive or what the second time around, I don't know. Hmm. That is kind of intriguing. Seems odd that someone would get flu-like symptoms and, and not, not get to... tested. Yeah, yeah it depends like on where they are in the offseason, I guess. Professional baseball know. player? Like, I don't know. It seems odd to not, huh? I don't know. Maybe he was... Uh... You know, on a resort somewhere. I don't know. I was gonna say he might not have been in this country. I don't know what yeah. the testing is. I like. mean, can, is he is he able to go back to Cuba? I don't know. Would he? I don't know. I, honestly, I have no idea. I have no so. idea. I don't want to speculate. Yeah. <laughs> no. But he could have been somewhere else. Um, that's it for the COVID cases that we have. Uh, not too bad so far with yeah, COVID, but yeah, it's been... it just sucks to see this again. Like I really right. was hoping this would be done and over yep. with after 2020. But... Yep. Luckily, Here we go again. It doesn't look like we have anybody that's gravely symptomatic but yet. But the players have said that the testing is a lot faster. It's a lot better. Um, it doesn't seem like it's going to be as big of an issue as last year, but it's pretty clear that it's going to be an issue. I still. wonder if there's any indication. I, I'm assuming this is a HIPAA issue, uh, whether or not we're going to know, just kind of like ballparking what percentage of players were able to get vaccinated or stuff like that. I'd be curious oh, to know that. I, yeah. It's like I don't know if they were even able. Like I'm just getting my... I just got my first wave of the vaccination, but that's because I'm an educator. So I was kind of bumped up the list a little bit right after the elderly folks. So shout out to all of Jake's students listening in today. Yeah, thank you. Hopefully not, but <laughs> they they found me on Twitter. <laughs> they found me on Twitter, and I kind of got blindsided when I came into the room. They'd all been eating lunch, and they said, "Hey, Mister Mister Halsker, did you did you win like thirty thousand dollars?" Oh God, no. I mean, you did put but your nothing. Full... Nothing was said about it at all after that. You incident, put your so. full name on Twitter. That was yeah. your bad. Yeah, you know, I was trying to get noticed, and I guess I got noticed. Yep, you you did do that. <sighs> oh well, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, Marwin Gonzalez 
signed in Boston. Um, this this kind of mucks the works up there. Oh yeah, it makes it ugly. Uh, who does this hurt the most? Is this kind of like booting Chavis out of regular playing time? You see, well, so or? listening to the um, the beat writer from Boston, I, I forget. Was it Rob Meadow? Or ah, I can't remember his name. I'm sorry. He was, he was on, on Zach's pod. He was yeah. on Zach's pod. He actually thinks that Chavis doesn't fit on this team. He thinks he's actually going back to the minors and or, or I mean not and or but or getting traded. Mm-hmm. So um, it sounds like Chavis is out of a job. Uh, the beat writer made it sound like Franchi was going to take like half of half of half of a platoon from uh, Renfro. And Franchi. That seems. Wait, what? Fr- like, like you said, half... Franchi. You said Franchi twice. Who did you? Renfro and then Franchi. I said. You said Franchi's going to take half a plant. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Marwin is going to take. Okay. Sorry. So basically, I think if I understood it correctly, he's going to play half of the at bats against uh, righties for um, for, Renfro, for Renfro, and then half of the at bats against lefties uh, for Franchi. That's very odd. Yeah. And then the rest of the time he'd get he'd He'll also get some time at like second base yeah, like yeah. with Kiki with Kike and against the tough left or yeah, a tough right but we kind of discussed this in our group and we kind of decided that that probably that seems they, they, he's not a good hitter these yeah and these these projections you know these guys that are super utility guys they're always projected to have all these at bats all yeah. over the diamond and it yeah. never really comes to fruition I I don't think Mar like he made it sound like Marwin's gonna play pretty much every day yeah, and he's on a one-year three million dollar deal it's not like he's part of yeah that I mean Kiki's getting like what eight nine million or something forward. like that I I don't think uh I don't think he's gonna play close to every day I think it's gonna be very much a part-time role yeah but and we'll they, see and they're still monitoring the jackie bradley situation he yeah. still could end up back there it's possible. just realize you're probably not getting full-time at bats from from uh the, any of those guys between right. renfro franchi uh marwin yeah um kiki kike none of those guys i don't think i know some people think that based on the money that kiki's getting paid that he's gonna play every day i i remain skeptical he's he has not hit righties very well yeah that was that was an interesting signing i thought but it was it interesting. Is that really the word you want to use? Well, the Red the Red Sox made some a number of interesting signings. Is it, again, is interesting the is that the adjective we're going with? Questionable. That's better. Credulous. <laughs> Not keeping your star player that you could build a franchise around, and then there you go, bringing in a bunch of. Crap. Garbage, overpaid though too. Yeah, like it's not like, even like the Indians drastically like, overpaid. I mean, like the Indians, yeah, they got rid of Lindor, but it's not like then they signed some guy to like a. How much did they pay Garrett Richards? Like eleven million, I, something ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at least the Indians were full on. Like, no, yeah, we're definitely just cheap. Like, I don't know what Boston's <laughs> doing. I mean, like the Indians are like embracing that shit. Like, yeah, we don't have any money. We're just not going to pay anybody. I mean, they gave Rosario a deal, but it wasn't even that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, below what some people, or it was a little bit above what the he should have made in arbitration. I think. But I mean, compared to like what the Red Sox gave Kiki, like comparatively, like the level of player. And it was only a one-year deal where Kiki got two, right? I think so. Yeah. I, you didn't uh, tell me this beforehand, so I didn't uh, bring my notes on this. Mm, that's fine. <laughs> well, I actually typed these show notes out hours prior to our show, though. This portion that is yeah, true. Yeah. I was having yeah. I was having dinner with with the fam today. Yeah. So, oh, good old Mrs. McD. Good old Mrs. McD. Yeah. yeah. Who who by the way, my mother was using the oven as a heater um, because my father doesn't like to use heat because. 
he's kind of like our owner. What's his average temperature in your your uh, former home? Sixty four. Sixty. Good Three? gracious! That's like I my, mean, that's like my garage. When he when he I, <laughs> when he goes to bed, he puts it down to like sixty one or sixty two, oh and then he wakes up and cranks it up to like sixty five. Oh baby, like that's where it's at. And my turn mom, that, turn that dial. My poor mother is sitting there freezing, and she's like, "My feet are cold." So she turns on the oven to warm herself in the kitchen, and I'm like. Is this really the best way to do this? Like, <laughs> are you sure you can't just turn the heat up? This is this is an efficient this, way of doing it. This yeah. is my mother, and this is my father. So, <laughs> and th- and this is you, and we wonder. Uh, yeah, this is. You want to know where I come from? This is not genetically, but uh, this is who I was raised by. <laughs> uh, oh man, good old Shohei Otani. Oh boy, throws ninety-seven in a bullpen. Dave, he's ready to pitch, right? <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. You serious? No. <laughs> I was smiling, so I'm I'm happy. I'm, yeah, I'm totally no. drafting. I mean, just I I there's no reason. There, he's in not... a, in a best ball. I'd think about it. Would you? I, I did my first best ball. I did I did think about it, but then somebody drafted him. I said, "Good, you saved me from drafting." Him. <laughs> I don't think I would even consider because it there. in the NFBC though. He's a pitcher or an outfielder oh. or a or a utility player. Oh, he's an outfielder. Yeah. No, no. I'm sorry. Oh, he's a pitcher or a utility, but in a best ball. Whatever he scores that week, either way, oh. could make it into your lineup. Did so you get if, clarification on that? Yeah, the, yeah, that's how that works. You don't have to. Oh, that's right. No, no, no. It's best lineup. Yeah, you're right. Ball. Okay, that's the only time I would draft him. I never even thought about that. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting. I did consider it. Okay. He got taken. So I think you're gonna be okay. I don't, yeah, I'm fine. I mean, his God, he looked so bad pitching. I mean, the guy is so talented. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think he's healthy yet, and right. and I think that's pretty clear. Yeah, he's a good hitter. He's a, he's a above average hitter for sure. If oh, he's yeah. playing every day. He's got speed, and if he if he somehow gains some positional eligibility, when Pujols retires, yeah. I'll be all about Otani as, yeah. as a as a hitter. Yeah, mm-hmm. for real. Um, little minor news, couple of them. Uh, the Pirates acquired Dustin Fowler for cash, and they said he's going to be in the running for a starting outfielder job, which makes sense because their starting outfield is butthole. <laughs> but <laughs> well, Polanco also looks like he's going to start the year hurt. Or this is no? my this is my shock face. Oh no. yeah, it, I th- I thought he was looking like he was going to be healthy, but maybe not. Ah, uh, whatever. I, I don't it's know. Another guy that I'll never draft ever. So, um, I drafted a a bunch of Jared Oliva in my DC. I think I have him in all three of my DCs. <laughs> so if Dustin Fowler somehow and and this is after being on Dustin Fowler when he was with the A's and we thought he was going to be good, I drafted him in my DCs and he didn't do anything. So if he somehow gets in the lineup over the eventual Jared Oliva ad that I thought was going to happen this year. I'd be pretty upset, but that's enough time on Dustin Fowler. Do you think there's <laughs> any chance of him being usable usable in fantasy if he's a starting outfielder? Is there a chance? Sure. I mean, like in a DC, I don't mind taking a shot on him. Yeah. Um, in he's, a regular league, I'm not touching I'm kinda, him. I'm kind of upset because I did think about him in one DC in like the 47th round. And yeah. I then think he, I didn't take I him. I mean, in the 47th round, you know, you're just looking for anybody who could potentially give you something. Yeah. I don't so. like drafting bats that late usually because they almost yeah. never work. It's but. it's almost always that you're just taking yeah. Uh, yeah, pitchers that late. Uh, speaking of the A's, uh, Mitch Moreland signed with them. Um, yeah. Pretty much a platoon bat, but he's a strong side platoon bat. So he's – and this is the uh, – the death knell for Seth Brown's hope this year, probably. There was, I, I kept telling people, um, I know some people were kind of excited about Seth Brown, and if he got the shot, okay, I just wasn't hearing anything from them about him. Mm-hmm. Like, it 
it seemed like if their goal was to give him playing time, then there would have been more talk about him, and there was nothing. And so what that told me was they were playing to sign someone else all along. So uh, this came as zero surprise to me. Yeah, he was a guy that we've been targeting in our early drafts in like the you know 30, Mitch Moreland, 38th, 40th round. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, yep. he's a strong side platoon bat, and he's you know what you're getting with him. Like right. He's the perfect guy to throw in in a half week when you're getting yep. three or four righties. Got a righties. bunch of righties, throw yeah. him in there. Yep, for NFBC, he's a good he's a Very good bat solid bat. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, Clint Frazier, okay, was said by Aaron Boone to be the, to appear to be the Yankees starting left fielder. <laughs> And then, lo and behold, they brought back Brett Gardner. Hold on, this is this is my shock. There's face. your shock face. Yep. Yeah, I uh, I am also not shocked whatsoever. No, I, Brett Gardner. Brett Gardner is never going to leave that team. If if he's playing baseball, he'll be on that team. You know, and he's going to be in that lineup a good amount. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, I think people who think that Brett Gardner's just going to go there to sit on the bench are mistaken. Yeah. Um, I get it. You guys really want to see Clint Frazier with the playing time. It, it's just not going to happen. Um, we've heard this about him. He's yeah. kind of a clubhouse they cancer. Just don't his, like him. his attitude, uh, people don't like Clint Frazier. Um, the Indians traded him because of that. And uh, when he got to New York, I remembered reading something else about that. And uh, yeah, some of his teammates have come out and said some things about him. And uh, I just don't think he, I don't know that he's ever going to get a shot unless someone gets hurt. But that's the thing. You know, you can still hope on him uh, getting some playing time, full-time playing time there because of the fact that Stanton, Judge, and Hicks, you're guaranteed to have an injury or two or seven there. So, uh, you know, he will get time, but he's not someone you're going to want to draft at cost. Yeah, yeah, and his cost was I, – I still – his cost was pretty – and I mean, it looked surprisingly like he was, high, and he looked like he was going to hit ninth. Like right. I get that the Yankees have a good lineup, but, but he wasn't going to be in the middle of that. No. Yeah, I mean, he's got a right now since February 10th on NFPC Draft Champions, he's got a 179 ADP. That's way is, too high. Way too high. That's a, that's the end of the 12th round. He's going ahead of like Paul DeYoung, who's hitting like second every day at shortstop for the Cardinals. I mean, you could say a number of things. Mm. That's just the first one that comes off the top yeah, of my head, but. Right next to fellow bottom of the lineup inhabitor Nick Madrigal. Yeah, I mean at least Nick Madrigal's gonna play every day. Yeah, yeah. Well, as long as he's not hurt. But I mean, you know, look, you get Schwarber going after him. I mean, he's hitting in the middle of the lineup. I, I don't know. Leota Tavares, who's probably gonna be leading off. No, I'm not gonna. I know you don't like it. No, I, he's he's the kind of guy who loses playing time, man. I just yeah. can't can't rely on it. Um, okay. Uh, we wanted to wish best of luck to our our former Cleveland great. Shinsu Chu going back to Korea. Uh, we we had fond memories of Chu when he was on the Indians. Oh so. yeah, and he got us Trevor Bauer, and he helped me win lots of money in 2019. So ah uh, yes, thank you Shinsu. I will miss you. He was a uh, he was a guy that you were always very high. He's he's I just like I like to style. He's the definition of a solid player yep. who just goes yep. out there and plays hard. And he 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 was he, a contributor in all facets. He had a great never, arm in right field. People never wanted to draft the guy, and he all he did was produce year in and year out. Dude had a cannon. I know from right. I know. I mean, he was a legit right fielder. This hurt us though, because Jake and I drafted him in the Battle of the Pods draft champions draft as, yeah, our, as a guy we were depending on. Our outfield in that league Ooh, is bad. falling apart quickly. Yeah. Uh, you know, with the talk of maybe Hunter Renfro getting platooned a little bit, um, Khalil Lee getting traded to the Mets to get buried in their minor league system. For Ryan this Braun year. might be retiring. Ryan Braun not coming. But we pretty much every outfield shot we took after round thirty is, is bad. Re- getting shit on. So yep. 
And uh, I mean, Varsho might be starting in the minors, and we would, we legit might have to be starting him in the outfield, which is if, terrible. If he's even up, yeah. If he's even up, <laughs> God, that was that was uh, yeah. In retrospect, the rest of was... our team looks great, but the outfield is a problem. That is a problem, for sure. Um, yeah, we have enough catchers to back up Varsho. Yeah, we drafted enough catchers to I back know. him up, I and know. our outfield is falling apart. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Pillar, a guy that you were really high on, and I was buying oh. in too, because the Rockies were talking about. And that's you know, the other guy we forgot about beginning. our team. Yeah, we we drafted Pillar. We drafted Pillar too. too. Oh, crying out loud! <laughs> Good God! Um, yep. He signed with the Mets for five million. That's a lot of money for a fourth outfielder. But it's the Mets, and they got money to burn right now. They're throwing it around all crazy, like. We just really have to hope for the NLDH. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. the only thing that's going to save us. for somebody to get hurt on the Mets. Not yeah. that we root for injuries. But, no. You know. Well, Nimmo does get hurt a good amount. <sighs> I don't think he's going to be a Pilar's straight... going to play. No. Yeah. He's I don't think play. he's going to be a straight fifth outfielder. Here's, here's the thing. I don't think Dominic Smith plays every day in left field. I don't think they like no. that for him. Um, I know that they're going to have to play him out there a lot because they've got Pete Alonso. You know they brought in a guy like Pilar who's a, a solid contributor, a yeah. solid defender. Yeah, he's a good hitter. defender. I, well, he's he's fallen off a little bit as okay. his age, but yeah, he's still a, he's still above average for sure. And Dom Smith is not right. So, yeah, he'll find his way in that lineup. Um, yeah, at and, least and Nimmo, Nimmo's a guy too. they drop down in the lineup uh, against the lefty as well. Yeah, so there, there's there's ways for Pilar to get in there. Uh, uh, well, no, I definitely think that he's going to play over Nimmo mm-hmm. against lefties. I don't think that's in question. Uh, speaking of the the former Rocky, uh, we have a current Rocky, Ian Desmond, who's opting to be not a Rocky this year for the second year in a row. Uh, his, uh, I believe it was his Instagram post, um, stated that he was opting out of 2021 for now. <laughs> Until the Rockies need a, an overpriced aging bad defender yeah. to come back. Um, there I are... mean, props to him. You know, He wants to spend time with his family. I totally get it. Hey, uh, he's got enough money to be yeah. comfortable, and it's important to him to be with his family. And hey, I, I completely support that decision. Um, it is, it 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 makes the Rockies situation, I guess, a little easier. But there's still a lot of miles to feed there, and they brought in C.J. Cron as well. Yeah, on a on a minor league deal as a non non roster invitee, but. Everybody wants him to be the starting first baseman. For sure. Um, what do you think, Dave? Is is that likely? I don't know. Um I listening to the the beat writer was kind of trying to talk up Fuentes and I just found myself not buying it. Um and I like oh, yeah. Fuentes coming really? into the year. Yeah. I just feel like Krona is gonna take over. I mean that that's, role. What the, that's what the Rockies do, right? I mean not that Krona is old, but he's I hear he's you. older than Fuentes. Fuentes yeah. isn't exactly a hard hit specialist either. No. Which doesn't really play at first base. Here here's my thing. I think it's worth taking a shot on Krohn because you can take him late enough, even though I know he's he's getting he's pushed, rising. Oh, he's, he's getting rising. pushed up because you you know you got big power me, playing in cores. I mean this guy look. can hit forty easily if he plays every day. Um no question. Shit, he can hit forty five. Um the reason I think it's worth it though is because you can take a couple of other first basemen late after him and still cover yourself with him, you know? Yeah, for so sure. Yeah. You don't have to use a top 15 round pick on him. Mm, and then it's getting there. I mean, his ADP is 267 okay. or 266, okay. but his min is 203. That's since February 10th. Okay, what He signed his deal. What round is that? Uh what is it? 203? Uh that's round 14. Four, okay. All right. So, but that's 
Yeah, and and that ADP is reflective of the fact that his max is 391. I'm from probably not the taking deal, him at his so. min, but I, I probably would take a shot soon after that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my thing. I I just think you can take a couple of third I mean, basemen later and yeah. still cover yourself if he doesn't play every day. If you know though that if he if he's hitting in towards the middle of that spring training lineup more often that's than not, that's true. He's going to be gonna a twelfth round yeah. pick. Yeah, come mains for yeah. sure. Well, that's so, that's the thing. It's it's a risk reward thing, but it's not a risk in like the fourth or fifth round. Yeah. You're taking a so risk right in like now the 12, you'd be 13, comfortable round. comfortable with that. Yeah, coming off of his knee injury last year. Well, you know we're yeah, I think so. And it wasn't a major injury. No, it was a was from, it a meniscus? I believe. From I forget. I think Again, it was you're asking me things that I think we didn't it was. I, I'm sorry. For. I think it was. <laughs> I think you got to have recall, man. I no. That's <sighs> that's your thing. Ugh. Wow, that was loud. <laughs> I'll turn it down. Sorry, guys. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I just think it's worth the risk. Um, that's when you take the risks. Is right around the middle of the draft. You know, that's it's a good place yep, to. That's when we do it. The upside yep. is there. The guy can Correct. hit forty-five homers in Coors. There's yep. no question. And we were all on him last year when he was in Comerica. So. And he's a righty, so it's not like they're going to sit him against lefties. So unless you think they're going to sit him against righties, I, I don't think so. I think he could sit against some. They got a lot of bats still in that lineup because I mean, he he hits lefties well. When you got uh, McMahon's likely moving to third, but you got Hampson. And Fuentes is kind of you know uh, floating around between third and first. Their lefty right now. bats are just McMahon, Hilliard, and Tapia, and I mean Dom Nunez. Okay, so uh, they don't have a a ton of lefty bats there. I don't know. There's going to be some interesting playing. T- it's going to frustrate some people. Colorado. I mean, it's it's what possible they, do. they shift McMahon to uh, or well, McMahon's probably going to go to third. Yeah, he's probably for most there. of the time. Again, I think there's going to be some shifting here. Rogers is probably going to get the bulk of the playing time at second. They said that's an interesting. one. It is interesting because I don't think the people realize. And that I don't. Yet. Th- I don't. I mean, when's the last time he was healthy? Uh, who knows? It's been a couple years. But I mean, you know, he was a top prospect. Yep. Um, he's still only 24, I think. He's hitting in cores. Yeah, he's 24 and a half years old according to Fangraphs. So, um, you know, uh, Brandon Rogers, I I got no cha- no sh- no problem taking a shot on him. Yeah, that's an interesting I just case. just don't think that he's going to play every day, but I think he's going to no, play most Especially days. since you have Hampson there right. and you have Hilliard there, so between center and second, that's yeah. a decent amount of, yep. uh, I guess, miles to feed. Um, yeah, but Rogers' ADP right now is only 418 uh, in the last two weeks with a min of 369, so that's definitely a good dart to take. Uh, second base, it's... it's it's deepish, but it's not like there's not a, a plethora of guys that you might want to start towards. No, and obviously he's not a guy you want to be relying on. He's a guy you can say, well, we'll see how he does, and if if so, uh, the Rockies have a bunch of home games towards the start of the season. You mm-hmm. know, you you might want to just try to throw him in there as a platoon bat. Oh, uh, let's see. Taiwan Walker signs with the Mets. Um, is this just kind of like a stopgap thing to get to Noah Syndergaard or? Well, I mean, we know that the Mets are they're spending money, they're adding guys. They're they're not afraid to, you know, bench some some solid players if they need to. Um they they made it pretty clear that they didn't want um both uh Peterson and Lucchese. Uh and Lucchese in the rotation. So, I would assume they said that they only wanted one of the two. So, I, I assume Peterson will get that spot, but I think it'll probably be considered a camp battle. We'll see. Um Yeah, I think or you think that Peterson would keep it and they would bump Taiwan? I think it depends on how he does. I mean, I'm but... I'm hoping for Peterson because I have a couple shares of him. Yeah. I, I I like the guy. I just I think he plays up. And and frankly, I've heard talk on pods these last few days about the Taiwan Walker signing, and they're they're 
there are people that are saying like, oh, they're, they're bringing him in there. Uh, you know, they they can rely on him for some innings, oh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, no. Dude hasn't been healthy in years. I mean, last year he pitched 50-something innings, but the year before that he pitched one, and the year before that he pitched 13. So, <laughs> And I remember 18 vividly because he, he he was on one of my main event teams that year. So <laughs> I remember losing him in, like, his second start or whatever it was. Yeah, so that was and, like, his results were good last year with a 270 RA, but... Four six Sierra tells the real story. Yeah, and that's a um, it's a pretty high whip rate as well. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, you know, hey, if he continues to take rate, another walk rate, I should say, if he high takes walk rate. if he takes another step forward um, from last year, I mean, the uh, the walks weren't terrible. Um, Three point two walks per nine, eight and a half K per nine. So, uh, you know, he's got the skills. Like you said, I just don't think that the innings are there. It's a um, solid park. I think um, he's going to be 100, 120 innings in that somewhere in that range you're hoping for. Yeah, yeah, and his ADP is currently putting him inside the, the top 20 rounds. I think he's right in the 20th round. So I, I think there's better pitcher stabs for me. I think so. For too. my money in yeah. that range. Um, Nick Senzel uh, will be, quote, the everyday center fielder, unquote. <laughs> Except that Shogo, oh, it, it was also mentioned in the same breath by David Bell that they have four outfielders that need playing time. Yeah. With Shogo Akiyama. Well, there. and so there's also so. another quote, and I didn't look this up beforehand, but that Shogo Akiyama was going to play every day. And so I was like, okay, let me do the math here. Who's that quote from? I don't know. I don't oh, remember. I okay. just said I don't remember who. I thought it was in front of you. Sorry. No. Um, so you got Senzel, Akiyama, Castellanos, and Winker. Winker. So either you're benching Winker or you know that the DH is going to be there or they're full of it and these guys aren't playing every day. So you've also got uh, Aquino there who's going to need some playing time too unless they send him down, uh, which is a possibility. But I, it just it's very much – other than Castellanos um, who we know oh, is going Aquino to play. has no options. Okay. So, so he cannot be sent yeah, down. Yeah, he's not getting sent down then. Okay. So um, – and. Many are, well, yeah, Winker, I was going to say they don't like to play Winker against lefties, but Akiyama's also a lefty, so that doesn't help anything there. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, you you know they're not they're not benching Akiyama. It's not like he's They're not, not going to bench play. any of these guys. Yeah. They're, they're, they're going to rotate them around. It's going to be Castellanos playing every day and the other three in a two-way, in a two-position What do you shirt. think about the the thought recently I've seen on Twitter that, that Suarez slides over to shortstop to make room? <sighs> At second for Senzel. Oh, man. I mean, offensively, that would be great for them. But, I mean, the, the thing is, they don't really have... Here's why it actually kind of isn't the worst idea ever. They don't have anybody who's a, both a good defender and a decent bat, too. Yeah. They don't have anybody. No, they don't. I mean, Kyle Holder, Kyle Farmer, D. Strange, Gordon. and yeah. I mean, it sounds like Garcia's going back to the minors. They, they, they kind of saw that he wasn't ready yet. Um, I think he's going to be a good player, but I don't think he's ready. But so that. is it? Would it be a net positive to get Mustakas off of second, over to third, but then you have to move Suarez to his original position, to shortstop, shortstop, and then move Senzel to second? Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, it would be something that I would look at personally. I, I honestly, like in terms of size, I'm not entirely certain what his what Suarez's but, I mean, body yeah, type that's, is. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, I don't know. He's five eleven. I mean, he's only five eleven two thirteen. Yeah, he's yeah. like a Johnny Peralta build. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like. I, I mean, he I, came up as a shortstop. I just, I don't know if they want to risk his health by putting yeah. him at short, but we'll see. It's it would probably be good for Senzel's health to not be in center, though. That's true. 
And yeah. we know we know how injury prone he's been. I mean, it could make some sense, but right now my read is that they've got uh, three guys who are going to be platooning in the outfield. So for me, it's it's just not a situation that I'm super interested in in trying to gauge because I like Winker's bat, um, but he's more of a platoon guy for me. He's not a guy who I think he's going to play every day. Yeah. Uh, Julio Teheran signed a minor league deal with the Tigers, and they're also supposedly somewhat interested in bringing Rick Prosolo home. Uh, they're oh. def- they're definitely having a six man rotation. I right? would think so. I mean, they're they're a prime candidate for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I any, think it's any, probably likely that Mize and Scubal start in the minors too, right? Uh, I thought Scubal was going to start up, but is he definitely um, okay? I don't know. Yeah, we'll wait and see. I don't I don't know that offhand. I don't. Uh, I mean, I don't have any interest in Teheran regardless. Is, no, is no, that... no. Teheran, no. Definitely not. Definitely not. But, no, I think they got Boyd, Turnbull, Fulmer, oh, Urania. Uh, Urania, yeah. And then, that, and then I, Teheran. I still have this sneaking suspicion that Urania is going to end up in the bullpen uh, and be a back-end bullpen. It's possible. He's got the kind of stuff I mean, for he's it. got that high velocity yeah. that he might be able to get to play up in the pen rather than starting. I, I just I, I keep thinking in the back of my mind he's going to end up being there. They also – they also have Daniel Norris, Derek Holland, and Tyler Alexander, who they all yeah. at different times in the year used in the rotation either as like a piggyback guy or well, like Holland a, was on the Pirates last year. Short starter, right. yeah, sorry, not Holland, but he can obviously yeah. start. So they've got a lot of options. It seems pretty likely that um, to me that Ma- um, Mize and Scubal are going to start in the minors and uh, they're going to have a six-man rotation of some sort. The most surprising story of the offseason, Justin Turner returned to the Dodgers. Um, Edwin Rios's value, does he have any value for you anymore? Um, I mean, it was, again, like you said, it was not surprising to see Turner go back there. We were uh, kind of always expecting that to happen. They they never really talked up Rios as a legit starting guy. Um, I, he Rios is a guy who, if he falls in a draft champions, I'll take a stab at him in case he falls his way into playing time, but I don't... Not I mean, a guy you're drafting in a fan no, right now. No, 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 no. No room for that on no. your short bench. I don't even know how they're going to get Lux any playing time, honestly. Uh, it doesn't doesn't look... I mean, unless they start platooning him with Chris Taylor or something like that, I'm yeah. I'm not sure what they would do there. Uh, you know, it's like when we were talking to Vlad before, and he was like, you know, it's going to be messy with, with Lux, and I don't think anything's changed there. Yeah. I mean, they got rid of Kike, but it didn't open enough up for him. No. Just because of how well Taylor played last year. Well, not not without a DH anyways. Yeah, right, for sure. Um, okay, we got a couple closer signings, or closer, question mark, right. signings at the end here. Uh, Trevor Rosenthal signs with the Athletics. Now, we would expect him to be the full closer, right? I mean, they just they signed Sergio Romo prior to that, and you know people were drafting uh, Jake Diekman and J.B. Wendelkin and the like. Uh, but Rosenthal ended up there. We were kind of surprised they they spent the money. Yeah, we were. But I don't think there's any question that yeah. he's going to be. They're the, paying him. He's going to be the closer. They're there. paying him over ten million dollars. Yeah, he's gonna be no, he's the closer. Um, I was never convinced on Diekman. I I, yeah. I wasn't willing to draft him. Not with that I, walk rate. I always thought that they were going to bring someone in. I just didn't think that they were going to bring in Rosenthal. So yeah. good for, good for yeah. them. Um, yeah, I think we that, were we kept thinking he was going to go to the Astros or to the Braves or something like yeah. that. But. Yeah, it's a good spot for him. I it mean, is. it's it's a nice park. Uh, not that not that he's a starter, and you need it to be a better park. But it's a it's a team that has a pretty solid bullpen to get to him. You know, it, with without him, it's not as good of a pen. But obviously, yeah. with with him at the back end, he's, he's got a really petite. good bridge to get there. Yeah, Patik went back there as well. They got a lot of solid arms in that pen now. Yeah, yeah, I I, I love the spot. Looks a for lot him. better than a week ago. He uh, he looks like the closer five. I think for me. Um, I mean, I know. 
you could debate Edwin Diaz uh, as closer five or, you know, something in that range. So maybe closer six, but um, yeah, I mean, he's one of the, one it's of the one people more, you one can more solidified job to add. barely yeah. count on, yeah. you know, one hand, maybe a little bit on the other hand, but there's not many, there's not <laughs> many closers you can count on. So for sure. Anyways. So speaking of closers with a question mark, though, yeah. uh, Mark Melanson signs with the Padres and really muddies that situation up. Uh, is your early read that he's going to be the full-time closer for them? Yeah, this was um, uh, a bit of a hotly debated thing on Twitter with uh, between myself, Eno Saris, and a couple of other people. Uh, you know, Eno says that there's you know data that suggests that velocity and, and strikeout percentage are predictive um, for for saves uh, over which, prior closing experience. Over, but that's the thing. Like it's it's which one is the one that's that's that matters because when Rosenthal closed last year and you know I was I was all over Rosenthal last year but it wasn't because of his velocity it was because of his prior closing experience and his especially experience under Mike Matheny who was the who is his former manager in St. Louis when he was the closer for him for several years and then going to Kansas City he was now the manager there so it seemed like all the stars were aligning for Rosenthal where it's like, okay, his former manager that used him as his closers there, uh, you know, he looks great in camp. He used to run 100 miles an hour. Um, but that's the thing, right? Like, is it the velocity or is it the prior closer experience? So um, Eno said that someone did research showing that it's velocity. But um, I don't know. It's something that I'll look into. But I've been able to do really well uh, figuring closers out by looking at prior experience closing, um, yeah. especially – Especially two-plus years of closing experience. Yeah, like, even look at the Braves last year when Melanson was on the Braves. I mean, that bullpen was full of high-velocity. Better pitchers than him. High-K rate arms. Yeah, I mean, you had Will Smith that also had closer experience, but not nearly as much as Melanson. You had uh, Chris Martin, very highly skilled reliever. You had Luke Jackson, who has amazing stuff and even closed for the Braves a little bit, but who ended up getting the job. It was Melanson, and, he, Lanson, and yeah. he had it the entire season. Right. Granted, it was only a two-month season, but... He's the guy with the experience, the most experience, and he got the job. And Plus, Melan he was right-handed instead and of Will Smith. And Melanson, you know, hasn't thrown even – I mean, he's he's only touched 93 in his career. So this is a guy who has a boatload of career saves and has never had high velocity. And yeah. he's, he's never even been in the top – I don't even think top five in the bullpen in terms of velocity before. So, I don't know. For me – I feel pretty confident saying that I think that Melanson, uh, if he looks good in spring, I think he's the guy. Um, you know, a lot of, you know, Eno's kind of making it sound like Pomeranz is the odds-on favorite. Like, he's drafting him as if he's closing. Definitively. And he's going in the 11th, 12th round. And right for now. me, I think that that is a huge waste of a pick because I don't see Pomeranz running away with this job. Um, there's a number of ways they can go. They've got Kella there, too. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's going to close, no. I, but I'm just saying, like, he's probably fourth there. But um, I would say Melanson followed by Pomeranz and then Pagan are probably there. And, th and, you know, they could all get some saves. It could be a sort of committee. But I would very much lean towards Melanson being the guy, and I would much rather take a later shot on Melanson than an earlier shot on Pomeranz. So is this a case-by-case -case thing with you in terms of closing experience, or is this something you just generally side, uh, side with? when it comes to determining who's going to be the closer, if it comes to a situation like this with, you know, two or three different arms. 
Yeah, that, if that look like they could be the closer, is it is are you always going to side with the experience, or is it do you have to listen to the managers as well? Yeah, I mean it's both for sure. But our experience has taught us that managers care about prior closing experience. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them do. Yeah, a lot of them do. We the reason I think that too is because I've heard them say these things. Mm-hmm. Like I've heard them say that this guy is a closer. He's had success closing in the past. Because I always tell people, it's not about who you would want to close or who I want to yep. close. It's not who, about yeah who we think they who we should think pick. Is, who yeah. we think they should pick exactly. Like just because I would pick this guy, uh, you know. And I was having a discussion with this one guy who was telling me that Austin Adams is going to close for them because he's got the best stuff. And I'm like, listen, I love they Austin got, Adams. They got a bunch of arms. I they mean, do. Pierce Johnson's getting talked right. up as well. I mean, they got. But <laughs> let's be clear here. I'm telling you definitively, <laughs> Pierce Johnson. Uh, and Austin Adams will not be in the running to close for the Padres to start the year. Now, can they get it along the way at some point? Sure. Things happen. Guys go down. Yeah. Um, if Melanson looks like crap in spring training, maybe they go a different direction. But they probably go to Pomeranz and Pagan yeah. before they get to you know Adams and Kella and all those other guys. So, um, yeah, I have a very hard time picking against Melanson here. And for me, this is just, again, it's what we've seen. They go with the guy with the prior experience. It's why... It's why we were so high on Colomay last Columet. year because yep. people were thinking that Bummer was just going to take that job over. It's like, based on what? Colomay's... For two years, Columet, people thought that. Yeah, and it's like Colomay... Aaron Bummer was like one of the biggest waiver wire ads of the second half of 2019. It was like why? huge. Yeah. Yeah. This is waste because Colomay is... He has that definitive closer label. I don't care... What you think of Colome? I care what the manager thinks of Colome. And baseball managers think that Colome is a closer, despite his peripherals and all that. He always out, end up, ends up outperforming them, anyways. But I mean, the guy's a closer. That's since, since that's we brought probably... up since we brought up Colome. Yeah. Um. I mean, he's he's definitely in a in a more precarious uh, un- unorthodox situation. Precarious. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of a a full time closer gig. Right. What's what what are your thoughts on maybe a percentage or a breakdown of is it going to be a two-thirds situation for him something higher or lower than that it's tough um i won't pretend like i i know for sure because w- the, the adps have shifted eight column is now above taylor rogers so. well i'd hope so yeah yeah i mean taylor rogers is a guy i'm not drafting um i don't think he's going to get a large enough percentage of the saves even if he does get some well, again, we've been talking about this for the last couple of years. Taylor Rogers is a guy who they weren't ever really committed right. to. They talked they kept about trying to bring in right-handers. They to kept pair trying to bring him. in guys. Yeah. They tried to trade for guys. Um, they kind of made it known that they don't view Rogers as a closer. Um, and when they brought in Colome, I, I wish I had the quote on me, but it was someone in the organization saying we haven't had a guy like Colome who can. It was something about being able to get out righties and lefties. So it kind of tells me that they do they, feel yeah. like he can be the closer there. Um, do I feel totally comfortable drafting him as a closer one? Not really. Um, but if he falls a bit, like we had a chance to take him in the 11th in, the, in our tag team draft with Tony, um, which we'll talk about a bit later. But uh, at that point, yeah, I'd, I'd take a shot on Calame there. Um, we didn't, but uh, in, a, in a league with an overall where I felt like yeah, I Yeah, it was saves, a different setup. There. It was a different yeah. setup than what – yeah. But – I think he's going to I think the general consensus is that he's going to get like 50 to 60% and I think it's probably going to be closer to 80%. Yeah, I'm I'm still happy with him. I mean, I have shares of of Colome that I took in the like 14th round oh, in yeah, my that's, DCs. So that's great. 
I'm I'm still feeling pretty good about those. I, I was talking Column A up as when he was a free agent that wherever right. he goes, he's going to get the majority of the saves where he goes, if not all of them. Yeah, I th- as as many as he I can. I mean, anyway. yeah, obviously nobody's going to get all the yeah. saves. Uh, you know, he'll he'll certainly miss out on some. But so I'm I'm still pretty confident in that because because as you yeah. said, the, the the Twins kept bringing guys in there, even when Taylor Rogers was the closer, they would bring in guys like Sergio Romo to steal saves from him. So you could tell that they were they've been trying to move on from him in that role for years. Yep. Um. Okay. So. That's one of your tweets that you've gotten a little bit of. And that wasn't your tweet. You were just kind of no, replying I was, to another tweet. Well, so I wanted to get some information because someone um, was saying that Eno was, uh, I think it was Chalupa, Chalupa Man. Okay. Uh, Did he point it out to you? Well, he was, I just saw he was talking about that Eno was saying that Pomerantz, like he was talking like Pomerantz is the closer. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, what? Because uh, it never occurred to me. I mean, he might be in the in the mix there, but I was never thinking like, yeah, this guy's the closer. And then I, I listened to what Eno said on uh, that episode of Rates and Barrels, the about relievers with mm-hmm. uh, DVR, yeah. and uh, I was like, okay, so he's because I didn't know because everybody's just assuming if Eno says something that's true, and it's like okay, because they're like, well, he's so connected and he's got all these sources. I'm like, okay, yeah, if he's basing this off of something that he's heard, if someone in the organization said Pomerantz is our guy, that's that's one thing, but and you were asking him, and you know, that's what you, I was. Do you, do you have information yeah. that we that we don't have on this? Exactly. Somebody told you this. Exactly. Yeah. And then you know some other guys were like, "Oh, Dave thinks he knows as much as you know," and I'm like, "No, it's not. Jesus, like it's not about that. Like nobody's above reproach. Like you should always question things, guys. You shouldn't just take what someone says to you know just to just because they're saying it, you know. Um, and that's kind of what this came down to me was I needed to know, did he have an inside source? Was there a source that says this or was this just, Hey, this is how I feel based on this. And that's all he said. It was like, this is just my assumption based on velocity uh, and K percentage. And then you and got, he got into the predictability or r- the predictive nature of the skills as opposed to the experience. Right. Okay. And so we're going to have to agree to disagree on yeah, that, that because that kind of flies in the face of everything that we've been preaching. Right. I mean, and, and what we've been preaching, we've had success with. So mm-hmm. I'm going to, we'll, we'll see what happens this year. And obviously there's case by case basis, but um, I'm not buying it. I don't, I don't think Pomerantz is the guy and I, I would not draft him as a definitive closer. So you put out a tweet just today, in fact, uh, Thursday, uh, about how you're incredulous that Adalberto Mondesi is still being drafted in the second round, despite the fact that he is more than likely going to be hitting seventh in that Royals lineup uh, with the addition of Andrew Benintendi, likely putting him in the two hole. So he has an ADP of 21 right now, yeah, which is mid-second. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's a guy that, if you're drafting him, you're drafting him mainly for his steals, right? right? You're not just not you're not drafting him for power. You're not drafting him from RBIs. He is a speed play. He's a world-beating speed play, right? If it hits, right. But drafting a guy like that that's going to be hitting seventh, that already has some limited plate skills to begin with, and you're relying on him for almost one category, uh, that that doesn't sit well with you. Well, the tweet wasn't really about him being a good or bad uh, first round pick. It was it was about I think that a lot of people are assuming he's going to be hitting second, mm-hmm. and I said I don't know whoever needs to hear this, but Andrew Benintendi is very likely hitting second, and that means Mondesi's moving down, 
because uh, you know they got Soler, they got um, Carlos Santana there now, they got Merrifield leading off, Dozier. so um, and even Dozier, yeah, hitting six. So it's like it look from all of what I've heard from people within their organization, their assistant GM, their GM Dayton Moore, and their beat writers, it sounds like Benintendi's hitting second, um, and people are just like ignoring that. And it seems like it's because it's not the information that they want to hear. So they're just like, well, I'm just not going to pay attention to that. Or some people think that Benintendi is trash and he's not going to be able to hold on to the second spot. And it's like, this guy's had a 340 to 360 OBP every year outside of 2020 when he kind of was, you know, talking about his struggles in 2020 and how he thinks he can fix them uh, for this year. So I don't know. Even in his worst year, even last year, he still had a higher OBP than Mondesi's career high. So why would you use Mondesi in a spot in the lineup where you want a guy to get on base? Yeah, especially yeah with with a guy that Mer- like Merrifield that is constantly on base in front of him. Right. Yeah. Right. And I don't know. Um, it just it feels like people want Mondesi to be this beast, and uh, they're projecting because he has something been for them not... at times. At times, for like yeah. stretches, right. for like a month, or you know, you know, but. Those Six those weeks. those outliers stick with us though. Yeah, they do. Um, and look, I'm not saying that the guy is not really talented, but there's so many pitfalls there. Um, from from playing time to his lineup slot, uh, to his contact rate, to his his K rate. I mean, everything. And he's been getting worse. Like both his K rate and his contact rate have gotten worse in the last several years. Like people are like expecting him to take a step forward. I'm not seeing that. Like, I don't, I don't see any evidence that he's going to. And the other thing is, like, people want to just take him and then say, well, I don't need to draft any more steals anymore. But here's the problem with that. If you do that and something happens to him, which we just talked about how that's a fairly – that's something that can happen. I mean, even if he's not benched, you're t- still talking about a guy hitting seventh in the lineup. He's getting less at-bats. He's, he's not at the plate as much. So yep. he's not going to be able to run as much. And – but you're not going to be able to replace that. If if he gets hurt, whatever happens, he gets benched, something happens. How do you replace those those steals if you don't back them up with him? But then if you do back them up, then you're kind of negating the whole point of taking him in the first place. Like His whole advantage is supposed to be because you're taking him so that you don't even have to worry about really taking any more steals outside of here and there. You know, maybe one other guy or, you know, a couple of guys who give you 10 steals or something like that. So... It's a problem. How do you how do you address that? You can't. I mean, for me, you can't. I, right. I, I don't. I don't see any reason. I mean, you're right. the The writing is pretty much on the wall. People just aren't seeing it yet. Maybe when the spring training lineups come out and Montesi's not hitting second in those lineups as we as we predict, they'll start to see it. But I, he'll still have his. Oh, yeah. stands. There's there's nothing he can do that Siege is going to get off of him. <laughs> Siege is going to keep drafting. Him I wasn't like going to call Siege out. Like but... Vlad keeps drafting Correa. <laughs> yeah, but call I mean, him Rick. There, Ast- there's a big price difference this year on that one. Call him Rick Astley because he's never going to give him up. Yeah, and he's always going to let him down. Ouch. <laughs> I don't know. Um, we'll see. Uh, you know, I was talking to Greg Blankenship, Siege's uh, tag team partner, um, in the in that recent draft that we mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. and um. Did you know, he take him in the first or the second? Second. second. It, was the, it, yeah. it was the end of the second. He, he actually fell a little bit. They were like, oh, there's yeah. no way he's going to fall to the yeah. second last pick of the second round. I was like, he could have been there in the fourth. I still would have passed on him. So, <laughs> you know, uh, different ways of building your team. And good luck to those guys. But the other thing that I didn't understand is they they drafted Mondesi, but they also uh, paired him with Acuna and Tucker. And it's like, 
why are you adding all these other steals? Like, the whole point of him is so that you don't have to worry about steals. Yeah. I don't know. But I'll say this. At least if something happens to Mondesi, they're not uh, they're not totally screwed on steals. But And those aren't two guys that are really going to buoy him in terms of average if he goes no, to a prolonged slump. No, game. not really. Yeah, it's 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 an odd it's an odd fit there. Um, I don't know. It's just I just think that people it, it's something that we see every year. It's it's you have to learn to see what reality is and not what you want reality to be. Yeah. Well, hey, it's a guy that I'm definitely not going to be drafting this year uh, for a lot of reasons that you already stated. Um, your your biggest tweet storm of the week though came in reference to Jacob deGrom yeah um and how you're not not that you don't believe that see it's it's all in the wording mm-hmm. it's not that he's not a first round talent mm-hmm. it's that you're not comfortable taking him in the first round where people see that and they twist it into Dave says Jacob deGrom's not a first rounder which is in in terms of sheer talent and and output that you could expect from him if he's healthy that's ludicrous right because he's the best pitcher in the he's game the best in my estimation yeah I, I said the same thing but yeah. what is your reasoning for having trepidation when it comes to him in the first round yeah there's there's a lot of things to get and this know, got and the, yeah as you said words get twisted especially with me quite a bit um and i went back and read my tweets and you know it <laughs> Uh, it wasn't what people were saying. I, I read it and I was I I didn't say any of the things that it would be portrayed. I'm I'm not saying he will get hurt for the whole year. Uh, obviously, even when we think someone's super likely to get injured, we don't, we don't know for sure, right? All we can say for sure is that we're not willing to take the risk that he could get hurt. They're gonna miss significant time, or there's enough of a chance that they can miss significant time that we're not willing to risk whatever round pick it is, you know, for DeGrom, for Darvish in the first round, I'm not willing to risk that. I'm not telling you that they're going to be hurt. I'm telling you that the chances that they get hurt are higher than I'm willing to put a lot of money on as my first round pick because I can win with other guys. I don't need them there. I can take other guys and win with them where it just doesn't make sense to do it. But I think people are really missing something with DeGrom. I think, uh, it's you know it's not like as strongly as I felt with Verlander last year, but it's it's there's a bunch of factors, right? Like he's going to turn 33 years old, which it, again it's not 37 like Verlander was, but since 2018, uh, he's had like eight minor injuries between uh, two back injuries, two elbow injuries, a hip injury, a finger injury, a neck injury, and a hamstring injury. So. including uh, four of which occurred in 2020. So I just think that people aren't really, they don't understand these things, these things build up. And so now coming off a short season, he has to stay healthy for a full season now. Um, You know, in the short season, we were on him last year. We were, we were DeGrom drafters last year. And, and by the way, Darvish drafters last year as well. Uh, We didn't have the kind of concern in the short season that we do over a full year. Uh, DeGrom also throws really hard, and um, Zach Waxman actually put out a tweet, uh, and it's something that, you know, again, this is something where we've noticed these things, but we don't actually keep track of them as we go along, Jake, so, um, but Zach actually put this out there saying that starting pitchers to average 97.5 mile per hour plus on their fastball for at least one year between 2015 and 2019, you got Montas, who's had injury issues and performance-enhancing drugs, Severino, who had Tommy John 
Syndergaard, who had Tommy John. Uh, Alex Reyes has had a plethora of injuries, including Tommy John. Uh, Evaldi, who had Tommy John. And then the other guys who the guys who did it in 2020 were DeGrom, Sixto Sanchez, Cease, and again, Alex Reyes. So um, these guys, oh, and Luis Castillo was always also like, he was at 97.4 miles per hour, so pretty much like right underneath that. Um, you know, Sixto's young, Cease is young, and Castillo's pretty young. Uh, they also haven't had all, all these buildups of minor injuries uh, along the way as well. Um, but everybody else, I mean, it just doesn't that scare you to see those guys on that list? Yeah, and people and people they they look at Degrom and they they see the results, right? And he's had massive results for year after year, right? And you know, despite these little nagging things. But he has missed starts, too. Yeah, like he it's... he's had him skipped. I, you know, I drafted him as, at pick nine last year when he fell there in one of my mains, and, you know, he, he kind of dinged me a little bit when he got pushed back one time. So it's it happens. And I think um, what people don't realize, too, is when, when that happens, you usually don't know going into the week. So you're literally just taking a zero that week. So, like, where people are like, well, the replacement level, well, you can't always replace them because, like, if you're going into the week and you're assuming he's healthy and then something comes up midweek and then he gets a start skipped, you can't retroactively go back and start someone. You're losing that start. But so you're, you're, not, you're not basing the whole I'm not willing to take him in the first round thing on the fact that he might get skipped once or twice. No. You're, you're taking it further than that. I'm, t- I'm saying that I think that there's a decent chance that he misses significant starts yeah. where in the first two rounds I'm not willing to take a guy like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I, I said, it's, it's nowhere close to sale last year or even Verlander, but it's there and it's something right. that you're still willing to take him. Yeah. Just yeah. not in the first round. Yeah. Like third round, maybe, um, definitely fourth round. But, um, you know, once you get into some of those higher risk guys, so you're not getting him this year. Exactly. Saying. So yeah. it doesn't matter as long as I'm t- yeah. t- not taking him in the first, I'm not getting him. Yeah. Um, I, I think I've said this before, but I, I'm not as 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 hard out on you, or on him as you are. Um, I'm certainly willing to take him a little earlier than that, but I totally hear what you're saying. I'm I'm also on board with not taking him in the first round, though. Um, well, if you're not taking him in the first, you're not getting him. Right, exactly. I, I've I went through last year, and I I benefited benefited from him most of the time. He mm-hmm. did. He like I said, he nicked me a little bit when he he had a start skipped or pushed back. I think it was the neck one that he had a stiff neck or whatever. But it's a lot of ticky-tack crap over the last three years. <clears throat> this the, and, it, and it's not like – it's it's kind of weird. It's not just the same area of the body either. It's all over the place. Well, but it's also the fact that it was too recurring at the back and elbow. Those mm-hmm. are those are parts of the body that concern me more than others. Well, yeah, the back one – one of them was a couple of years ago, but I, but I hear you on that. Well, 2018 and then 2020. Now, were those DL stints? You don't have that label on here. No, I don't. I don't. I didn't. I didn't. uh, I just. I don't. He won Cy Youngs in both of those years, correct? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Absolutely. Like, it's just eight eight things occurring over the span of three years. I just look at that and I say, I think at some point it's going to it's going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. What do you say to the people that that say to you that? Well, he's 33, but his arm is not 33. Um, I don't know, honestly. I, I've been told by people who've done the research that it's an age thing and not a mileage thing. Because you know, your body is still the age that your body is, and not all of these injuries are arm injuries, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I mean you got well, back, you got hip, you got neck stiffness, you got a hamstring. If a 35-year-old never threw a baseball before and then started throwing at 35, does that mean he's got the same arm as a 22-year-old? Obviously not. Right. So, I don't know. I, think... I mean, we're both older than DeGrom and we know that Right. it's it's not as easy to come back from stuff as you as you continue to add the and, years on. And that's another thing. Thank you for reminding me. Yep. But it's not just the likelihood that he gets hurt, but that if he gets hurt, it's tougher to bounce back the older you get. And, uh, you know, again, 33 is not 37, but it's also not 26. So mm-hmm. um, it's just stuff that's ending up. And he might be fine, guys. You know, like, here's the thing. The downside for me is I draft Bieber or Cole instead, and I'm fine. The downside for you, if if he does get hurt, is then you don't have your ace. So you have to ask yourself, is that worth it? You know, is let's compare him to Nola in the second round. Is he so much better than Nola that it's worth the possibility that he gets hurt uh, as he's a bigger injury risk than Nola? For me, it's a no. I, I would take Nola over him, It's and that's an easy call. I, I don't know. That's just how I look at things. It's it's how what's helped me avoid landmines in the past. So, again, just keep in mind, this is not me telling you that he's going to be hurt or uh, that he's not good or not a first-round talent. None of that is true. Um, read the words in the tweets, please. Um, yeah, people, just, people don't like that, though. No, they it's, don't. It's not cut and dry. I know. So I know. But, you know, you, yeah. but reality sucks, but uh, that is reality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we'll, it. you guys can take it or leave it. Yeah, we're exactly. Gonna, we're going to take I'm it. I'm not... You we're know? gonna take it to our big money drafts, and we're gonna use it. And... and that's that's really another thing too, right? Like if you're playing in a free league, what, there's no downside. You know, okay, I I lose my ace and I don't win my league, big deal. But you're putting seventeen hundred dollars, twenty five hundred dollars in the line. Okay, now is your money still where your mouth is? So I don't know. For me, that's what it comes down to. I, I'm not willing to lose my draft in the first round. Um, I'll just take someone else, and I'll be yep. fine. And we're playing in 15-team leagues where it's even harder to replace. Yeah, the replacement like value, as Bloomboard, as Ryan's Bloomboard showed, the replacement value is bad. <sighs> so, uh, Matt Modica, we've, we've heard him. We'll move to our no-filter segment right now. Matt Modica, we've, we've heard him say on a, a couple shows and even in a tweet uh, recently, when he was replying to who was, uh, it? was it? Torres, Torres was put out. Uh, you know, where's who are you guys? That who are you, the few guys that you trust? The few people you trust for your fantasy baseball advice or uh, to be your confidants, almost in a way. Yeah, and um, so Matt named three other guys in uh, Vlad, Scott Jenstad, uh, and someone else. Um, Oh, Rob Silver. Rob Silver. Yeah. But then he also gave a quote from Lindy, uh, Lindy Hinkleman, who's a two-time main event winner, uh, one of the one of the know, most great well known in the high stakes industry, at least for his accomplishments. Pig farmer from Idaho. From our, I think he's retired Idaho. now. Yeah, I think he is too. Yeah. <laughs> but Lindy's a great guy. He's a guy we always want to catch up with every time we go to Vegas. Yeah, for mild sure. mannered dude, easy to talk to. Yep. Um, but he said that uh, the best advice that he ever heard in terms of his fantasy baseball playing experience was from Lindy. And paraphrasing it, of course, he said, uh, when when he stopped listening to everybody else and trusted only himself above all the others, uh, he became a better player overall. Yeah. And it's something, honestly, that, you know, while I'd like to think that I was that way, uh, I probably wasn't. Um, you know, of course, I trust you. I trust Tony. I trust Marcus. Um, Phil. Phil. Yeah, we become closer with Phil these days for sure. Uh, and others, but sure. I think this year is the 
closest that I felt to putting my own opinion at the highest point. I think this is the most comfortable I've ever been drafting. Um, the most comfortable I've been trusting my own process and, and taking guys where I want to take them. Interesting. As opposed to what the ADP has been saying. And I've, I've done more drafts this year than I ever have at this point. You know, I kind of so had that, that thought of why. you when you took uh, Bogarts in the second. I didn't disagree with that because uh, it was kind of early in the second, right? It was the 20th pick, yeah. Yeah, and I didn't disagree with that at all. Um, but, That's uh, a yeah. prime example for me of kind of where I am right now. Okay, so talk, talk a little bit about that. What, uh, what do you think led you to that? Just that specific pick? No, no. In terms of that process of you're trusting yourself more now than I really ever. don't know. Like, I'll be honest. You, I mean, why are you more comfortable drafting now? More now? It's Is a it... lot. It's a lot of experience, of course. You know, I've had some success, but I think last year was just so effed up that there were so many things that I wasn't totally sure on that maybe I kind of wavered in between. Wavered between my my thoughts on players. I kind of hedged things, or I may be centered on guys based on what other people were saying last year, but I don't know. This year, I just I feel so free. I feel comfortable. I feel more informed than I ever have been. Um, and though with that information, you know, listening to as many pods as I listen to, uh, I'm able to parse through it pretty easily. I think. Okay. Um, I, maybe it's just I'm getting older. I'm I'm starting to realize that. You know, I have been doing this for a long time and, you know, maybe drafting Vincent Velasquez in the 21st round because, you know, all of a sudden he's looking like something's different at the end of spring training and he's not a guy that I would ever target, but I'm going to draft him anyway because everybody's talking about how something could have changed and blah, 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 and he falls on his face. Maybe I need <laughs> to stop doing that. Yeah. Um, or we pushed Robbie Ray up last year because Ugh, yeah, that was bad. because of all that other the 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 change of his motion and things like that. That was, was a lesson be, learned for sure. Yeah, I like we're I think I think that's playing into it. Like I don't want to do that anymore. Okay. Um, you know I had success in the auction because I did things my way, and honestly, in terms of auctions, I feel like that's the thing that I do the most research on my own yeah i follow my own opinions in that more than i do in snake drafts because even though i'm a snake drafter uh by trade generally because i've been doing that for so long um i play auctions a little bit differently i think than others because of that um i kind of bring a lot of that snake draft experience to auctions and do it based on Things that I keep in my head from the snake drafting experience. Uh, I don't assign specific values to players like others do, that kind of thing. So we'll do an episode on the auction stuff. But yeah, I feel like my success in the auctions and the fact that I'm learning some lessons, especially after last year, because they're still fresh because those drafts are in July. Yeah, um, yeah that's they're true. They're not that far away. You that's know, I true. remember very vividly bumping Robbie Ray up in one of my mains and, and him crashing and burning and sitting on my bench for a month until I yeah. had the courage to drop him and say, this is it. And I was part of that problem too. You know, I was, yeah. I was, I was, uh, I was all about Ray. Cause I mean, the guy had the stuff and the, the K rate, if he could just improve that control, man, the guy can, the guy can be elite, but, but pushing him up to the ninth round was a, yeah, it was a or mistake. The eighth round or whatever it, it was. was a mistake. It was... Yeah, it was, it was a learning experience. Like, you know, people assume that change is always a good thing, and it's not necessarily. You know, you see a pitch mix change, you see a changing their mechanics. So you, you, because we always think about the the times it works, right? Like we're thinking about when Giolito, you know, twenty eighteen to twenty nineteen, he changed his mechanics and he became a an ace from a 
from a pile of crap. So, you know, we like to think that that's, that's a possibility. And, you know, when you're talking about the Velasquez, uh, you know. It wasn't as big of a pick no, as the No, because as the Ray it, was, it was a 21st round pick. Like, if it happened to go right, yeah. you could have gotten a great pick out Still of it. Still a guy that I absolutely had no interest in. But, right. Yeah, point I taken. You. I hear you. A um, little different, though, when you're talking about Robbie Ray in the ninth, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think I think you've always told me that I, you you I think you would say that I've been more confident than you with this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, certainly publicly, that's for sure. <laughs> but you know, we all question ourselves at some point. You know, no, no. even when. Even when we're, if you think that there weren't times last year when I was when I was promoting Bieber that I that I wasn't also mm-hmm. having many panic attacks and thinking, oh my God, am I putting myself out here and and am I going to be so wrong and people are going to, you know, come at me and you know all this other stuff and yeah, I have those thoughts all the time, guys. Like it, we all we all do. Um, if anybody says differently, they're lying. Um, but the more I challenged myself and the more I talked to people and the more they tried to convince me otherwise. I realized that them not being able to change my opinion wasn't because I'm I'm not a stubborn guy, regardless of what my reputation is. I change real quickly. I mean, Jake, you you, you take a little longer to change, which mm-hmm. you know. Um, yep. But in this industry, you have to to be a good player. You have to be able to change really quickly what you're thinking because if there is real change and you're presented with this information and everything lines up, you gotta be able to make that. You gotta be able to pull the trigger and do it. Um, and I've learned that and I, you know, I'll, I'll change my opinion on someone on a dime, but the fact that nobody could change my opinion on Beaver last year was the reason that I really started to say, okay, I, I got to go through with this because this is, I have no reason not to think this because I'm able to come back with a good answer to everything. And so that tells me that I think it is as strong as I'm thinking it is. Um, and so far it's been that way with police act this year too. And obviously I hate to talk about the same examples, but these are like kind of the guys I'm known for. So, Mm -hmm. um, my thing is you should always listen to everybody, um, that you trust the people that you like are in your inner circle and those people who, whose opinions you, you think that they've really formed good, uh, well thought out opinions, not necessarily everybody that has an opinion, but those people who you, you know, go to and you know, all that. Listen to what they have to say, digest it, and think, is this actually, do I agree with this? Don't ever just uh, appeal to authority, though. Don't think uh, that just because someone else is whoever they are that they're right and you're wrong. Huge Be- fallacy. What? Just just the appeal to authority in general. Right. Whether it's like, oh, this team signed somebody so they must be healthy or... Oh, yeah. We've heard you that know, before. This, this person's, uh, you know... They're an experienced fantasy analyst, so their opinion must be right, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We see that on Twitter all the time. I mean, you, you referenced that with, with the Eno conversation earlier. Yeah. How it's just, well, how could you how could you go against Eno? He must know more about closers than you, right? Right. I mean, the, the it's it's just, it, it leads you down the wrong path a lot of the time. It does. And it, it, and it doesn't allow you to think for anything, or think for yourself on anything. No, and it's... <laughs> It's just you have to know what's behind the the thought. Like, if Eno came back and said, I've talked to uh, – is it Kevin Tower still there in San Diego? I don't know. Whoever <laughs> whoever San Diego's GM is. We do this is, to each other every I show. I know, we do. Um, whoever San Diego's GM is, if, if it was like Eno saying, I've talked to the GM or the assistant GM or the coach, um, and they said, Pomerantz is the guy, okay. 
I'll believe you. But if you're just saying that this is your opinion, um, then that's different. I'm not just going to take your word for it. You guys need to, you should always challenge preconceived notions. Don't think that just because something's been done a certain way or that everybody's on this guy or everybody's off this guy, that that means that you have to agree with them. Um, nothing, no progress happens that way, guys. And, and I didn't get to be where I am by listening to just blindly following what other people say. I always listen, but I don't necessarily change my thought process unless it makes sense to. But you should always be open to changing that thought process if it does make sense. I'd like to think we've been perceived that way. Uh, sometimes it maybe is misconstrued that we are not open to change. Uh, we're more <laughs> reticent to change than, I, I, than I we think some people uh, have that misconception about me, at least. I don't know about you. And we, we go through this, you know, within our circle of friends sometimes, too. Yeah. You know, sometimes we, we are just so convicted on something, well, well, we'll just assume the other one's not willing to listen. That's true. Um, and eventually we realize that, you know, we're, we're rushing to judgment there because uh, we're always open to listening to each other. We're always open to learning new ways of approaching these things because uh, we, we know how fast fantasy baseball changes. All the I mean, it's, it's a totally different game than it was even three years ago. Alex Chamberlain's going to come up with three new stats between now and the start of the season. <laughs> And I if mean, you're not using them, and they're gonna, bog, gonna... they're gonna bog down that tableau even more. <laughs> and if you're not using them, then you're wrong. No, I'm just kidding. Not, Alex does not say that. I'm just. Uh, it's just sometimes people are are looking too much into certain stats and not looking at the overall picture of a of a player evaluation. Yeah, and, that's, uh, that's something we think we're pretty good at. Right, we're, we're really good at stepping back and looking at the whole tapestry. Yeah, as John L is fond of saying. Yeah, I like that term. Good one, Johnny. <laughs> All right, let's let's take a quick break, and when we return, we'll be with our boy Tony on the other end. All right. And we're back with our longtime friend, our consortium compatriot, and Dave's main event partner, and also his partner in the recent Maddie Wood NFBC Tag Team Draft, 15-team draft. This is Tony DiVincenzo. Tony, thanks for joining us, bud. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a while. Yeah, really. It's been since our uh, off-season retrospect, our, our 2020 retrospective episodes. We haven't had you on the pod, so we're glad you're back. Yeah. We wanted to review this draft that you guys did. This was this thing was loaded with heavy hitters, and every team was a, or every 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 drafter was a team. So there yeah. were 30 people in this draft. It was put together by Matthew Davis of FTN. And it's just loaded with names. Uh, it, it it will take us forever to go through them all, but you know you've heard of these guys, most of them: uh, Matt Modica, John Fish, Je uh, Jenny Butler, and Rob DiPietro were a team. You got Jeff, Jeff Zimmerman, Zimmerman yeah. along with Fred Zinke, Siege, Siege, Simeon, Simeon, and Matt Williams were were a tag team. Uh, Brian Vogel, I mean, this, and Justin Mason, and pretty Jenny much Butler, who was who uh, wasn't Shelly in it. B. This thing's loaded. It's it's <laughs> full of people that you have heard of. And also some some people that we hadn't heard of, and and I was hanging out with these boys during the draft, so I got to see some tendencies of new people in this one as well. I was I was spying on people. Oh, were you? Okay. Yeah, but it, uh, the draft was also uh, had a live commentary on YouTube by FTN's John L. MLB Moving Averages, uh, which is uh, you can see the whole four and a half hours plus of that thing. <laughs> Uh, with also special guests afterwards. Uh, Govier was on throughout. Govier, Govier was, on was throughout. drafting and he was on the live stream. The Doug, entire time. Doug Ishikawa was on there for a while too. Mm -hmm. And um, there were some off color jokes that made Doug uncomfortable. At the end. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
so you can check that out. Look at look at John L's uh, MLB moving averages Twitter feed, and you can find the link to the YouTube because uh, I, I or I could try and post that in the show notes. I'll it see was if I can throw it was in. honestly pretty entertaining. I'm I mean maybe I'm just kind of sick, but I actually ended up listening to the whole thing <laughs> because like it was honestly John had really good commentary. Like he was breaking down what he thought each team was doing as it was happening, and I mean in terms of breaking ours down, uh, he pretty much had it right on, spot on. And it's not like, you know, you've all probably listened to serious drafts of the, uh, the expert leagues and they kind of try to surmise what these guys are doing, but they try to be nice about it. I don't, I don't think John was, was pulling as many punches as they would. You know how John is. He wants to be honest, but he does it in a very nice way. Right. And that's, that's what we're all trying to do in this industry. At least a lot of us, we don't, we're not trying to just, you know, say, oh yeah, everyone's great. Everyone did great. We want to be honest about things, but it's tough because you also don't want to step on any toes. You don't want people to be offended, but you still got to feel like you can, you know, tell people what you really think. So you guys had the seventh pick. Yeah. Uh, Was that what you were going for, Tony? Yeah, that was actually our first uh, slot in the KDS. So um, somehow they broke his curse and and we, uh, we, we did get the number one slot pick in terms of uh, we got our first choice. Yep. So, so you guys are looking to be in the middle. What's your, what's your thoughts on being in the middle for this thing? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it, it's something where given that it's a standalone league, you can draft it a little differently. Um, but we had talked about it and we had thought between, um, be, between going with an elite pitcher or a steals guy, just because when you're, when you're picking in the first, you, you gotta, you gotta come away with, um, either either bags or, or a great arm just to, to make it easier to, to finish your team off. And so we figured um, at seven, we could get Turner. Um, if he wasn't around, uh, we could go with the pitcher and still be all right with it. Um, but it, it, it was something where we wanted to get the, the swipes and we wanted to fill shortstop as well, um, just because um, as, as ADP sits right now, we feel like uh, shortstop runs off pretty quickly. And so just to, to not have to worry about that and to get an elite guy there. So um, obviously targeting Turner, uh, bets fell past us, which was a little interesting, but it's just, yeah. it, it's really tough to start with an outfielder. It um, is. Just especially given the value that you can get there later, which was kind of our strategy there um, was to, to kick outfield down the road and, and start with Turner. So Turner fell you to guys, us. And... You guys agree with that. Um, this is the first draft you guys have done together this year, this off season. Uh, so give us a little, before we go on with the first round and beyond, give us a little uh, synopsis of what you guys did to prepare for this. Cause Dave, <laughs> Dave's been doing a hell of a lot more preparation than he normally does this early in the off season. Whereas you're a guy that tends to wait a little bit. Um, Cause this yeah. is kind of your busy work season too. So it's kind of hard for you to do right. a lot of uh, preparation at, at, at this point, you kind of start a little bit later. So what, what was your, your your guys uh, discussions leading up to this <laughs> yeah we, i mean <laughs> uh, <laughs> we had a couple uh i think it was at least two maybe three different conversations um i mean and not to mention countless texts where we were i mean it was i'm not gonna lie it was it was pretty much like we were we were fighting but you know in a <laughs> that, we, was, that we, was the first call we first were call uh, we, we were fighting. we were debating heavily um <laughs> i was uh and you know <laughs> this is a shock i'm sure via stunner via, yeah, i know but via text, you know, it's also yeah. kind of hard to get stuff across correctly. Like once, once we were on, you know, the zoom and everything, like we were, we were fine. And, you know, Tony and I've been friends for 20 years and um, we've, we knew how to work together. So we knew we'd be able to figure it out, but it was a, 
it was a process because I felt like I felt like getting starters earlier was more important. I think I know that Tony realizes it's important, but he hasn't been like in this environment of the, of this year. And we've always been like hitters in the first round, even second round, usually right. um, even when we finished 10th and in, uh, in the main event in 2019, like we were the only team in the top 10 to start hitter, hitter, hitter. So um, and it was only because Soto fell to us. Right. And that if, wasn't your plan. Yeah. No. And, but it kind of felt like, not that we got lucky, but it took three elite hitters for us to get in the top 10. So it really shows you the value of getting those pitchers early. And, you know, we saw the, the bloom board that uh, Ryan Bloomfield put out earlier about like the difference uh, between the, the top tier, the middle tier and the lower tiers of starters. And it's, it's, it's stark, but yeah, Tony, uh, go ahead and uh, I'll, I'll let you comment on uh, <laughs> our, our prep for this. Yeah. I mean, I, I pretty much came out of hibernation. I usually take, take some time off um, during football season just to kind of let the brain rest and, and recalibrate. I mean, I, I take notes um, for what I do at the back end of the baseball season. And then I just kind of revisit them going into it and start my prep and kind of look at where ADPs fall, look at where there's value pockets. I like um, try to try to essentially play, play different options out. And so that's kind of what we went back and forth about was just, I feel like where ADPs are sitting right now, you can still build a good rotation, like maybe not the ace heavy pocket aces type caliber rotation, but I think you can still get good enough pitching to compete so long as you're willing to hit up some depth. And um, by getting a guy like Turner at the start or getting, getting one of these elite hitters, you can really um, build out a balanced team that way. And so that's, that's kind of what we went back and forth on. And again, like, it's still really early in, in the ADPs. And so by the, by the time the mains roll around, who knows where uh, my head's going to be at. I might just, I might just be on board with Dave, but usually what we do is we um, will sit there and talk different strategies for how we want the the first few rounds to play around. And um, we'll, we'll come to some kind of consensus. And so this was, this is where we settled. Um, now, um, what we actually had charted out versus what happened was a little different, but yeah, <laughs> um, it was still something where it was all within the range of our potential mm -hmm. outcomes. And, mm -hmm. and um, I, I would say the first, the first few rounds played um, to, to definitely one of the, one of the, the better outcomes that we had had prepped for when we were yeah, uh, doing so. our planning. Yeah. And uh, honestly, I wouldn't change it. Well, so in the second round, after we took Trey Turner in the first round, we were hoping for Woodruff to come back in the second round. Well, Tony had the pie in the sky dream that Nola was going to come back to us, and I assured him that that was not even a remote hey man, possibility. You, you can dream. <laughs> but uh, we were hoping that at, at worst we'd still be able to get Woodruff, and then Woodruff went literally to Rob Geese to pick right before us, and we were like, oh, shit, now what? And we already had our shortstop, so it's not like we could push, you know, push Bogarts there. Um, so really it was like, okay, do we want to take our second starter here, push someone up, or are we just going to hope that a guy falls to us in the third, but be okay with please second, the third, if we have to, which was not what we wanted. But, um, honestly, I, I told Tony that I, I was okay with Machado. I was like, you know, third base gets rough. Um, I have a couple of guys that I like later, but, uh, and they ended up actually both going, uh, earlier than we thought they would on both accounts. So if we didn't have Machado, we honestly would have been pretty screwed at third base. So he actually worked out really well and he pairs very well with Turner there. Um, and then thankfully, uh, Maeda came all the way back to us in the middle of the third. Yeah, that was a shock. I was shocked. Um, but I was so happy. Uh, and then, and then police came back to us in the fourth. So, 
Um, and part of our uh, conversations and prepping for this that I had talking with Tony, I was like, oh, I said, okay, I'm fine with not, you know, we don't have to do pocket aces or even, you know, two in the first three picks, but if we're going to do it that way, then I need to put emphasis on getting our ace, but then also backing it up with several guys like in the higher end guys. So that, so that our depth beats other teams depth. So we might not be, be like in the top three in terms of our one and two, but when you add in our three, four and five, I think we're the clear uh, top team in terms of starters. So that was really where we kind of settled at uh, in terms of a backup plan in case we couldn't get what we wanted uh, early in the starting pitching. Yeah. So let, let's run down those, those five, since you mentioned the first five. So you went, uh, my eight in the third, Plesak in the in the fourth, which is about where he goes. Yeah, Actually, was, I mean, yeah, it's you, about you took ADP. him a little earlier than his ADP, but that's you know you had to do it. There we were we were him. a little surprised to get him there because we thought that either uh, Fish or uh, Simeone and Matt Williams would take him because I know that they all yeah. like him to some degree, mm-hmm. but they all passed on him and we were we were happy. But then you you came back in the fifth with a guy that it seemed like everybody had their eye on after yeah. the fact they, they were telling you, uh, Kyle Hendricks. Yeah. Literally three or four teams came up to me and said, yeah, we wanted Hendricks there. And I was like, wow. So okay. that, that ended up being pretty solid. I mean that, you know, waiting till your third and then, and then getting a, a Maeda Get, please sec with, with very solid strike. Getting those. And then yeah. Getting those ratios. ratios oh yep. my God. And in, in the, like the top three of Maeda please second Hendricks. It's, it's, amazing to get those ratios there because we're not as concerned about wins and k's we can we feel like we can add those later tony how did you feel about hendrix coming into this i mean i like hendrix a lot just because you know what you're getting with him um generally in in the first uh bunch of rounds the the main thing i'm trying to do is to not get someone to horribly bust just because if you're playing catch up after those first few rounds then it makes it a lot more difficult like the the steals that you might get in 20 and beyond or whatever are now going to be filling a hole for the guy who busted earlier. And Hendricks is pretty much the same guy year to year. I mean, I know that there's a little bit of variance there, but um, he's one of the, one of those guys you can just slot in and he's not going to get you a ton of K's, but you know, the ratios are going to be good. Um, you know, he'll, he'll get a decent amount of innings. And so to, to get a, a steady pitcher there on top of um, the other arms we got, I, 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 I agree with Dave. I, I think that if it comes down to it and at the end of the year, like despite the fact that we did make a volume play for a lot of our K's, like we don't have high K per nine guys, but we got guys who will go um, reasonably deep into games. And so um, even if that's not there um, at the back end of the year, because we have these ratios, we can gamble a little bit with uh, streaming two starts and trying to pick up some of those, some right. of those counting stats, mm-hmm. but yep. um, yeah, I, 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 yeah. You, you yeah, really... I think when when you build a, a good a good base of, of ratios, you can do a lot with it. Whereas when you're trying to catch up on ratios, that that eliminates a lot of possibilities when you're when you're managing a team. Exactly. Sure. You got you got innings too. I mean, you mentioned yep. and and these John, are all horses. Johnny, Johnny L on the broadcast was even saying as the draft was going on that this is what you guys were doing, and he was spot on. You guys you guys got Maeda good length because he's he's not a guy that was overworked and he gave really good length last year mm-hmm. please was best ips in the bigs last year yep uh hendrix is another guy that's just that just will throw i mean he's not he's not overtaxing his arm and he, he's always reliable for innings and then the key to our rotation i think was in the seventh round mm-hmm. yeah having wheeler fall to us in the seventh was quite frankly a shock <laughs> yeah i mean that's almost picked 100 at that point i mean uh, that's that's past his ADP by a good amount. It was like a you thought 
you were considering him in the sixth, and yeah. you ended up going with uh, Salvador Perez as your first catcher. Uh, and it was like, well, you know, there's a slight chance he comes back, but we'll be ready. And he just kept falling and falling. And after after you took Perez, Max Freed went, then Lazardo went, and you were saying, well, then it's definitely over. And <laughs> yep. it went hitter, hitter, closer, closer, hitter, closer, hitter, 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 hitter. And it yeah. came back to you. Yeah. <laughs> so no other starters went after Lazardo for 10 picks and you got Wheeler. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I agree um, with that. The fact that he is a slight injury risk, but when you're talking about as your fourth starter and this guy gives you innings, I mean, this is one of the biggest guys in terms of pitches per game. Uh, It's, it's Wheeler and uh, getting him as your four is kind of ridiculous. And then, um, then being able to get Gaussman as our number five, we got a little bit of that, that K upside there. So uh, that was, and he's a guy that we love and uh, getting him like two rounds after Joe Musgrove and uh, even like a half a round after Pablo Lopez felt like another steal there. Yeah. And uh, I know you guys are both really fairly into Gaussman. Uh, you, you guys benefited from him last year. Um, and it, he's a guy that I'm, I've kind of soured on the last couple of years, even after last year, but I mean, getting him as your number five and with the K upside that he could have for you. I mean, that that's extremely solid. I would feel really good about that. Yeah. Uh, talk about who you took in between. So Gaussman, you took in the ninth round. Uh, Dylan Moore was your eighth round pick. Uh, I, everybody knows Dave's thoughts on Dylan Moore. Tony, what, what are your thoughts on him? I mean, I'm, I'm in the same camp as Dave. I mean, we, we had talked about more going into the draft. Um, we were actually hoping for Altuve there, but he got sniped the pick mm-hmm. before. Yeah, right yeah. before um, yep. Just uh, And again, because it's easier to build from a foundation of average, and I'm hoping that Altuve will bounce back. But more, I don't, I don't think his average is going to be as bad as all these projection systems are saying. And when you – even if he, he gets up to a, a 240-ish, 250, then you've got a really, really nice – power speed combo and that speed upside um if they actually let him run is pretty wild so they should and so to pair that with turner um made it essentially to the point where we did not have to target any of the sloppy steals guys um toward the the back end of the draft and in all honesty like that's that's one of the things that sticks out looking at adp is the steals guys really really go in like the top 50 and then Mm -hmm. after that you're making compromises already and so more obviously your compromise is the, the batting average risk, but I, I think that at that point um, you're, you're not seeing a whole lot of other attractive steals guys. And so um, it, it was nice to be able to, to get in there, plug him at second and then not have to, not have to yeah, worry I was gonna about say, the fact that he a, plays second base also is huge. I mean, that's such a, it's such a weak position and you get the outfield position on top. Speaking of outfield, uh, on the on the live broadcast, John was talking about <laughs> the fact that you guys didn't draft an outfielder, and he was really worried about you guys. Your first nine rounds, you did not have an outfielder. Super Honestly, concerning. We're all, all three of us are in lockstep on this that that there's plenty of outfielders, and it's, oh, yeah. a, it's a position that we mm-hmm. can draft pretty plentifully in the middle rounds. So you took in round ten your first outfielder, Michael Brantley. You know, we, you were talking about Dylan Moore's average risk. There you go. You balanced it right back out with Brantley. Yep. yep. Uh, then, a, and a guy that uh, Dave's talked about a decent amount. We're, we're all pretty big on Anthony Santander in the 11th. Uh, and then a couple rounds down in the 14th, you took Andrew Benintendi. And then 
got Kyle Schwarber in the 15th. So right there in six rounds, you got four of your outfielders. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we were, we were never really, we were never really um, concerned there. We knew, we knew how many options, solid options there were hitting in the middle of the lineup guys, Mm -hmm. all these guys, you know, Brantley hitting two Santander hitting two or three Benintendi hitting two Schwarber hitting four or five. I mean, these are all guys who are going to play every day and hit in the middle of the lineup. Um, What more can you ask for? And they all, we like them all. Uh, they all do different things for us that, that what we were looking for at the time. Schwarber fell several rounds. Right. Um, I yep. mean, in the 15th, I think this is a case where I think people are, are overrating 2020 a bit. I like, yeah, I, I want to get him at a discount after 2020, but I'm really not that concerned about his skills. Like we know what he is. He's a power guy. Like yeah. he's going to give you power. And he's getting the ABs. He's, he's definitely in the middle of oh, the yeah. Nationals lineup. Yeah. Yep. There's no reason for them to not play him. Right. Yeah, I think that's a little bit of recency bias, just looking at his batting average last year. But I, I, I don't know. I mean that, and especially where we got him, like we we had thought about actually taking him in in a couple rounds earlier, and then when um, it came back to us in fourteen, we said, oh well, I, I don't know if we want to necessarily mess with our batting average that much. So we took Benintendi, but right. at, at that point he came back in fifteen. It's like, well, Benintendi can. Yeah can help with your average, assuming that he goes back to his, his old approach, like they're saying he's going to. So why not? I mean, Schwarber's not going to be a great average guy, but you're talking about a, a really good amount of pop. And if he can, if he can even get back to the 240, 250 range, and that's, that's totally fine by me. Yeah. We, uh, we thought about, I mean, Schwarber was already way past ADP in the 14th and we decided to go with Benintendi over him anyways, uh, just because we, we kind of just like his profile more. And we, we believe in the skills uh, rebound for Benintendi going into 2021 but the fact that Schwarber fell another round to us we're like okay I think at this point we can use some more power and uh, it's a good fit Um, we also took DeYoung in the 13th as our middle infielder which I really like doing because he's just so undervalued for for this and it's another thing where I think people are overweighting uh, 2020 with DeYoung like he had a bad year but um, this is a guy who's who was on the upswing going into 2020 and then the Cardinals had so many issues with COVID that, I mean, it's, it's hard. And he had it and he had it pretty severely. Yeah. He, and he had a severe case of COVID and it's kind of hard to blame him for not producing. I mean, they're playing double headers every other game. I mean, like their schedule was just insane. And I mean, we saw it with Flaherty and other guys too. And uh, Edmund. Um, yeah. I just, I, I feel like DeYoung is way too good to go that late. Uh, I know we took him last year in like the ninth or the 10th in the main event. And uh, obviously that didn't go great, but um being able to get him a couple rounds later now i'm all about it people might uh scoff a little bit because we have mentioned a few average risks in these last few picks uh dylan moore schwarber can be considered a pretty solid average risk uh de young is another guy that's not going to hit you more than sure. 260 at, at best probably yeah. so do you guys feel like you balance that out well enough i mean you got turner turner should give you a very solid average uh, Machado should give you a very solid average. You got Brantley, Santander. What do you, what do you guys think? Uh, anything else that you used, any other players you used to help balance that out, offset that risk? I mean, I think, I think part of it is, is we got a couple catchers who aren't going to kill you. Um, like Perez is not like super sexy at that ADP. I think at that point, you're just kind of taking him because he is what he is, but he's a, He's a solid guy. He'll hit 260, but I mean, he's that's a volume not... catcher too. So right. Right. he plays He'll every... benefit from he, that a little more. He plays every day. And if there's no NLDH, I'm skeptical that a lot of these NL catchers are going to play every day still. Um, you know, like Wilson Contreras is a guy I love with the DH, but without a DH, you know that they're going to sit him. He's not going to play every day catcher. So um, I feel like 
guys like Perez need to be pushed up a bit because they're going to play him every day. And uh, I mean, he did hit 330 last year. Granted, it's a small sample size, but yeah. I I definitely think he can hit certainly above 260. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, like Tony said, you know, there's a lot of average holes when it comes to catcher and uh you know to have two guys because we also got yadi molina when you have two guys who aren't going to hurt you in average at a position where most guys do it's a huge it's a huge benefit and uh i don't know i don't know if we'll be in the top you know top third uh well we'll be in the top third i think we might not be in the top two or three in average but we're going to be up there um and uh i just don't think that we have a lot of downside i don't think we have you know, we don't have like a Juan Soto type guy, but Brantley and Machado and Turner, like you mentioned, and even guys like uh, Avisail and Willie Castro too, both good, solid average guys. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I think that, that you don't have to necessarily be elite and average to compete. Like, cause it, cause again, the, the approach that we took here is this is a standalone league. I mean, it's the same thing, what we did with saves, like you know that you're not necessarily going to have to win every single category because you're not competing for an overall. So really you just want to be competitive. And I think that, that we have enough here to be competitive. It's just, it's just a matter of, can we make up the other categories? But I feel like that um, like based on what we drafted, that we're fine. Honestly, I think that in terms of hitting averages are our worst category. So it's just something where if you think you can at least pick up, you think so? Yeah, I think so. I think, Mm -hmm. I think if you can at least pick up a few points um, in average, then the the rest of it will follow. I, I I like the rest of the rest of how the the offense rounded out. And this is a standalone league, so you know it's not like you're competing in an overall, so you don't need. Tony to just have said that. Set. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sleeping. Jake wasn't listening. I'm looking Jake, at Jake's like, when is this nice. guy going to stop talking so I can have my Good turn? Host. All right. Anything else Jesus you guys want to Christ throw in? We don't guy. need to go through every pick you guys had, and I'm going to no, take a break even more. I was just going to say um, two other things real quick. Where uh, you know Tony and I came in with the with the approach of we weren't going to go for early saves because as you just clarified again, uh, in addition to not listening, what? uh, that this is not an overall. So oh, it's not being a standalone league. Really? We, uh, we, we didn't, we wanted to do something different with saves because normally we, we want to make sure we get one of those top five closers, um, when we need to come, cause in an overall, you cannot punt a category. So, um, but we, we feel like right now where the value with relievers is, is I feel like there's a bunch of guys who I feel pretty good about that they're going to get the job, but the market doesn't know that yet because we haven't gone through spring training yet. And so I feel you can get a lot of these late values and still get a good amount of saves out of them. So we actually took our first spec closer in round 18 with Adam Adovino, who from all I'm reading, the Red Sox don't want Barnes to close. Now, granted, uh, as Phil Dussault pointed out to me, it's if Adovino works out, they'll probably trade him at the deadline. But if we can get saves in the first half of the year, you know, we don't, we're not going to probably not going to need him by that point. Anyways. Um, we also got Kinsler in the 19th who Phillies beat writers have said uh, that they expect him to close. Um, even though Archie Bradley and Hector Neris are there. Uh, but I mean, he, he does have like the most recent dominant closer experience. So uh, then you've got, uh, we picked up Oberg, who I was actually sh- kind of surprised, but I've also heard rumblings from Rockies people that they do like Oberg as their closer there for whatever reason. I don't know, I don't know why they want to go away from Bard, but uh, they do. And obviously, we know that Oberg probably not going to stay healthy. But uh, again, if we can get some early saves from him and dump him, that's fine too. And then uh, we also got uh, Brian Garcia. Uh, looks like the guy in Detroit right now. 
assuming they don't sign anybody else. And um, Blake Parker from the Indians, who's uh, who's a guy who they signed to a contract that kind of seems like, you know, and he's a guy who's gotten saves before, but it, it kind of seems like he's in the mix now. Um, we've all kind of talked about how we don't think Karen Shack's going to be the guy. Um, it, all the words from the organization are they're not, they're not, they're not married to Karen Shack. And uh, you know, Zach Meisel said that, and it, it seems like that's kind of Tito's thing. If he doesn't trust you, he's, you know, he's going to go with the veteran and they don't want to pay people either. So um, they don't want to, you know, you're going to bring Karen Shack to arbitration. If he's got all these saves under his belt, he's going to be real expensive to keep. So uh, it really seems like it's going to be Whitgren or Parker. So we figured uh, Parker's still there in the last round. Let's grab him and take a shot. So yeah, I do I mean, want to mention everyone that this isn't an overall, just so everybody knows. Yeah, the, uh, yeah very, so that, that's very, a pretty, very, very clear. That's a pretty, pretty solid strategy, I think, for something like this. It's not something we would attempt in like a main event or anything, obviously. No. But it's a yeah. kind of, it's a cool thing that you guys did. You took, you took five solid shots. Uh, yeah. I mean, Adovino looks really solid. Kinsler, I'd, I'd say it's probably a, I don't know, a 50-50 shot for Kinsler. I think Dave, Dave's a little more confident. I like the, the deal he signed because he said he even came out and said you know they snubbed me in miami i took a deal that i can make more money with if i'm the closer so he's betting on himself so i like hearing that from a guy that has the closer experience and archie bradley you know he's not no he's not a lockdown closer not that kinsler is but you know joe girardi seems to be kind of a a manager that likes to stick to a guy so if kinsler impresses he might get it for a good while and, and they're probably not going to trade him either because they're going to be right. competing. And it's, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, Oberg's a solid shot. It's really just health with Oberg, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the other two guys, who knows? Parker, you know, we know the Indians do some dumb stuff. So. Yeah. And Garcia's <laughs> awful, but from, from, uh, we've heard some reports that they really like what he does in terms of inducing weak contact and ground balls and stuff. And I don't know. They, they seem to like him for whatever reason. So, uh, you know, it seems like he's the guy at the top of the depth chart right now. So Tony, um, did you guys talk about this reliever strategy beforehand or did this some kind of just grow out of what was going on? So it, I, I don't think we talked about this exact strategy. This is a little, <laughs> <laughs> Tony started panicking and like, around this, like, is, this is a little like round, outside of my comfort zone. It was um, like round 13 or something, 12. And he was like, so when, when are we going to start looking at closer? And I'm like, don't worry. We're okay. It's all right. I, he was like, he was like, yeah, but seriously, we need to take someone at some point. Here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, because to, to me, it's really difficult to find close like two closers in season. Now, granted, I am expecting some of these to hit like, and, and part of part of the reason why is because I have, I have faith in Dave's ability to find closers in, in the dumpster because every year he always finds at least one or two guys who are way in the back of the draft who end up getting the job. Um, I mean, Rosenthal last year um, where you aren't necessarily expecting it to happen. Um, like I said, it's a little outside my comfort zone because I would like to have had a guy who I feel is a little more solid in the role. Um, I know we had talked about, Colum- guys here and there like as they fell column a uh, hicks but they just kind of went right before um where we were comfortable taking them and so it, it was it was something where where it's it's not an overall i i obviously would never do this in overall but um like i said I'd, i i trust dave's ability to find some of these guys and like in the end all i really wanted to do was make sure we took a, a lot of shots at guys because um, the one thing I didn't want to do is take like three shots and have one of them work out mm-hmm. kind of, yeah, and then yeah, you're, yeah. you're stuck, but we took five shots. And so, and plus the, the other thing too, in all honesty is you're, you're drafting 
really early still, like spring hasn't even come yet. And so if there's a surprise where uh, there's a move made or someone gets a, gets a job that you weren't expecting, you have a chance to, to splash some, some fab at them. So um, I, it's not the end a, of the world. That's a really good point too, that I, I meant to bring up as well. Like, I think people have to look at this as you're not trying to build a whole balanced roster right, right. now. Mm-hmm. It, when it's this early, you want to take shots on guys that you're not going to be able to take shots on once the season starts. Cause like, let's say that these guys get the closer role. Uh, those guys are going to go for two, three, four hundred dollars week one. So, you know, these are the guys you want to take shots on. You know, the guys who don't didn't get drafted, the the hitters and whatnot, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know who didn't get drafted, but like, like let's say a guy like uh, a part-time player, I don't know, Mitch Moreland or something. I think he did. But anyways, uh, he's not going to go for more than like, I don't know, 40 bucks, 50 bucks at the most, maybe like the closers are going to go for so much more. So you want to take those shots on things where if you hit on them, it's huge. Uh, so that's why I, you know, I see people taking shots on like, you know, Wander Franco. Why not? Uh, if he happens to start with the team, then that's, that's massive, you know? Um, so I, I, I like people taking shots and not worrying about balancing their roster. Cause we can do that with our first fab period. You know, we can, we can see how, how, who gets the jobs and whatnot, and then pick up some guys accordingly for going into week two. Um, the other thing I want to mention is we were, we also decided to wait really late on first base. Uh, we did get kind of sniped a, a couple of times on first baseman uh, a little earlier in the draft, but then as it went along, uh, we ended up with Nate Lowe in round 22 and then Jesus Aguilar in, in, 20, in round 25. And that just really shows you the depth that's there because honestly, those are two very solid starters uh, at, at that position. Um, and we, we tried to get Choi, I think, towards the end of the draft, but he ended up getting uh, – we, we got right. sniped on in the 29th. But, yeah, uh, he's a guy that falls a ton in draft, in draft champions. So, I mean, this is the first 30-round draft that I've seen other than that best ball that I did early. Actually, no, that wasn't even 30 rounds. I think this is the first one. So, uh, that seeing him go early is kind of weird, but, I mean, that makes sense because it's right at the end of the draft. It was also that he starts with four games in a – and in the first mm-hmm. week he has four games against righties, so he's going to get – a four game week right off the bat. So that's something that I was looking at. Yeah. And you guys looked at that with your uh, Solano pick, I believe. Correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Solano was a guy who faced, uh, I think like three lefties or something the first week, I think against Seattle. Very cool. Yeah. Um, Tony, you have anything else to add? No, I mean, it, I, I, I'm happy with, with where it ended up. I, I think for, and, and like I said, this is, I know Dave's been, been doing a, a crazy amount of prep. You guys have had drafts together, but this was, this is my first draft of the year, and this is usually a lot earlier than yeah. <laughs> um, I'm drafting typically. But yeah, you're not I a mean, draft champions guy. You don't do I'm, any of those. Yeah, I'm not a draft champions guy because I mean, it's for for me. I I understand why why you would do a draft champions early because if your research is on point, you can have a clear advantage over other players. But at the same time, for me, like I'm I'm very much an information guy. I like to to get yeah. all the information. Like even if it's something where like, hey, I know who. I know who's closing for each of these teams. I can I can make reasonable bets on them. I know where the ADP falls, so that way I'm not I'm not speculating too much. I kind of I kind of like that as opposed to the the freewheeling nature of draft champions, which again it's I think it's a really good tool. It's just something where if I were to to ramp up for that, I wouldn't feel like I had a, a breather between 
um, all the football that I play and then, um, coming out of baseball, it would just go straight, right, right back into baseball. And so I like to <laughs> all that to celebrating have... Tom Brady's championship. I know. You yeah, know. no, no, no. It's, it's, it's about being able to, to sit on the couch and watch instead of having to, <laughs> having to sweat something. So, Hey, we, um, we had to, we got to sweat a couple games this, this postseason. That was pretty good. Yeah, that's true. Oh, we didn't really have to sweat with the Steelers game. <laughs> yeah that, that was that no that was just celebration that was pretty pretty fantastic that, that was that was fine i'll take that win for this year not yeah. much sweating going on from our side no all right well it, it was fun sitting in with you guys and i i don't know if i mentioned this in the beginning but this is a 500 dollars league it's a satellite 500 dollars league so the top prize at an 8x is it a, a four thousand prize i believe so i forget because maddie would uh actually like negotiated with greg to get higher um oh yeah yeah it's higher than normal. So it'll be a little higher than 4K then. Yeah, I guess so. It'll, um, yeah, he, he negotiated to get it higher because like, I, I don't know. I don't it's know. good publicity for the NFC. Yeah, probably. Yeah. That was probably yeah. why, but. Uh, and he's also having uh, belts made. Is that correct? Is he having belts made for this one? I think so. I don't know who's doing it. I don't know if it's, uh, I don't know if he's doing it or uh, NFBC is contributing to it. I don't, I'm not sure. Okay. But I think, yeah, we wanted to have like tag team belts, like WWE tag team belts. Yeah, that'd be pretty slick. Yeah, that'd be great. All right. Um, speaking of, you know, high profile leagues, uh, Dave and I are in our first ever TGFBI since we started this pod back. What was it? Beginning of July? Yeah. Something like that. So we were not able to participate last year because it was long, long done. Um, we did not have to wait very long on announcement day. That was pretty nice. My, <laughs> my league was announced second. I'm league two and Dave's league three. So we were, <laughs> everybody was sitting on the edge of their seats all day and, you know, towards 28 and 29, but we got ours out of the way early and we got to just enjoy everybody else, you know, celebrating on Twitter. Yeah. We, were, we had plenty picked, of time to text each on. other and say, Hey, who the hell are these guys? <laughs> oh, <gee>. Some of them. <laughs> yeah, <I> mean, <laughs> Uh, um, Got to keep humble, right? <laughs> no, I mean, and I'm sure they don't know who we are either, to be <laughs> frank. So I, it was just funny. Yet. It was just like, yet. we're all looking at our, our leagues and we're like, huh. You know, I was expecting to know, I guess, just more people, um, not just from NFBC, but from uh, the industry and everything. And I, I think I knew. Oh, but there's, I mean, when you two? have, when you have 435 participants yeah, in it. I just, I don't know. I thought, I thought I wouldn't know half the league. I didn't think yeah, it's a lot I wouldn't know like 80% of the league. So, okay. you know, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I mean, we have some big names, uh, but yeah, it's, I mean, I have Tristan Cockroft in my oh, league okay. and he's a, he's a really big name, um, you know, along with others, but uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that we haven't heard of and that's, what's great about this. Doesn't mean is, that they're not good players though. I mean, I, I, shit, I don't know how these people draft or anything. Like there could be some sharks in there. You never know. Right. I mean, uh, I had, I hadn't interacted with uh, just for example, Nathan Grimm before good guy uh, i like him yeah dave i know you talked with him but he seems like a really cool dude he is a lot of a lot of funny stuff on twitter already since i started following him so yeah. i mean that's what this that's what this is all about exactly um smata on twitter uh mr adams uh put out a kind of a historical well it was it was an analysis of each of the 29 leagues uh based on prior experience of players um Really? Was it just experience? Yeah, it looks like it's just experience for this. I mean, I'm assuming it has to do with experience and in, and in, in how they finished in prior years. Maybe that's it. Let's see. Let me read it. Difficulty scores with 100 being average and teams broken up by how long they've participated. 
I don't, you know, I don't know. In order to that... come up with the league difficulty score, we add, uh, you just move Did I? Yeah, go down. Where's that? Okay, so he is using his historical rankings on it. Okay. Yeah. All right, so um, every league's got new participants in it. I don't think there's any that are no devoid he, of just to make sure every league had yeah. at least but one. some some have a lot i mean some have a lot some have one <laughs> yeah that's that's crazy a couple leagues have eight one league has eight a couple have six one has seven um a couple have one dave's league has five my league has three so obviously we are one of those in each of our leagues um but dave's uh difficulty score for his league is fifth most out of the 29 leagues at 107 and there's, there's not a lot of deviation between most of these, but mine is down kind of around 20. It's like 18, 19, and it's at 97. So um, with 100 being average. So I guess technically mine's a hair below average based on past participation. But I also have fewer uh, first-time players in my league. So yeah. we'll see how it goes. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited. Uh the drafts are beginning Monday. Yep. I know that for sure. The KDS is supposed to run. Justin hasn't nailed that down fully. We just found out that everybody finally signed oh, up. Oh, we so. did actually. Um, the, he was talking about with Derek in a thread with me. It's going to be and, Saturday. Uh, I think it's either running Friday or Saturday. Okay. So I would have yeah, it set well, for Friday for sure. Right, tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. So well, if you're listening today. to this and you haven't set your KDS yet, do uh, it. run and do it because it might go off without you knowing because <laughs> uh, it doesn't say on your league homepage when KDS has, locks by. So make sure you get that done. Um, and it's actually starting the same day as our, our Glarf league is starting the great lakes area Roto fantasy league. That's right. Uh, we mentioned that on our last show uh, with uh, 13 other analysts and personalities from around the great lakes region and uh, us too, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, Illinois, Indiana. Um, so we, we plugged everybody in the last episode. We're excited for that. Uh, you know, we, we were, hoping to kind of avoid starting it on the same day as TGFBI, but they're slow drafts. So, they're both slow drafts. Yeah, it's fine. So it's not going to be that big a deal. TGFBI is going to get all the pub that week, but you know, we'll, we'll try to still put our, our Glarf stuff out there. And Carmen, uh, Carmen Mayorano is uh, having his, uh, his baby uh, oh, coming that's up right. soon. Yeah, so we were trying to get it done. So trying to get so, done to, to avoid that, but also yeah. to, uh, cause we have um, the NFBC people got to go to vegas in mid-march yeah, they're so going to new york yeah it's, it's kind of like hey we got to get this going guys mm-hmm. <laughs> got to start right. sooner than later for sure so we're excited for tgfbi we're excited for glarf yeah glarf it's still it's still kind of weird i know it's funny. I, i've been reading it a lot but i haven't been saying it so it sounds it's really weird to say it. it's catchy <laughs> <laughs> but those are both coming up um we want to thank everybody for supporting the podcast and please rate and review wherever you can. Those iTunes reviews and Stitcher and what have you really do help us out. Um, check out the site, rotosource.com slash merch. Get your fun items, your dino hoodies, your tees, your tumblers, and your mugs. Um, Dave's SP Streamer draft kit strategy section and all the other sections in it are available now for purchase for $4.50. And is that available on spstreamer.com? Or yeah. You, yeah. Okay. Yep. And then there's like a little, it'll say like draft kit or draft guide or something. There's that, that, that would, that it. would make sense. That would be smart. So I'm <laughs> glad he did that. Uh, don't forget the uh, baseball pod tournament going on currently too. Yes, that's right. Uh, we are going to be having the second round. We, uh, we mentioned earlier how we um, advanced to the second round 
And we're going to be having that. I believe that's going to start on Monday. I'm, I don't know the exact day if our days are going to get shuffled around, I have but no we idea. were our, we were the first region that, that played this week and it was on Monday. So I'm assuming Chris is going to do it the same way. I don't know. Cause TGFBI no is launching that same day. So maybe he'll wait a day. I really don't know what his plan is. I have are. no idea. Um, do you know? No, you don't. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dave, Good you've talk. been on like six bajillion pods lately. Uh, would you care to do a quick rundown if you can remember them oh, all? Oh, God. Um, There's a lot you have to check out. I'll probably remember some if you don't. Jesus, can you do it? And then I'll just add in whatever you forget. Oh, well, I know you were on Fantasy Best Ball. Yep. Uh, exclusive with yep. Brian Seymour. Yeah, that was uh, that was a, I will say that that is a really good one, I think, in my opinion, just because Brian asks such great yeah, questions very that he, good. he brings out really good answers in me. I mean, not to say that everybody else wasn't great. I just think that Brian is like special at it. So, uh, you know, he'll always, anytime he asks me to come on, even though I've ne- literally never done a best ball <laughs> draft in my life, I will always come on and talk with him because still it's, plenty it's really of, good. I mean, I, we, there's a lot of there's yeah. there's a lot of evergreen stuff in there. I know you love that term, but it's <laughs> ever since I learned it like a couple months yeah. ago. <laughs> I, really, I listened to it, and he he does not do a whole lot of play. He doesn't he doesn't make you do a lot of player analysis. Really, it is a lot of strategic uh, breakdown. True, it, it's stuff that can be accessed at any time, and you're gonna you're gonna glean things from it. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I was on uh, Bases Loaded with Mike Curland yep. uh, right before that. That no. was a great show, too. I yeah, really enjoyed it was, that. It, I, that was, there was, I know you had more conversation off the mic. Yeah, we, that was a we literally show. talked like an hour and a half before we got on the mic. So <laughs> there was a Curland and I talked a good amount, which is uh, shocking to no one, I'm sure. But uh, <laughs> yeah, right. it was a very free flowing conversation. It was very easygoing. Um, I thought it was a really good pod, too. Um, just different. You know, it's mm-hmm. all that's what I love about all of these is they're all different in their own ways. Uh, we're, we were supposed to be on turn two with Matt Williams, but that didn't end up happening because his power went out. Yeah, we had some stuff happen there. You were on uh, Beating Him at His Own Game, the new pod between yes. uh, Justin Mason and his wife, Danielle. That was a lot of that fun. That was a fun episode. You were on, um, what is it? The with Operating Room the operating with uh, room Rose with, Surgeon. Yeah. Yep, Rose Surgeon, with Kev. Kev. I don't yep. want to say his last name. I'm sorry, I, Kev. Yeah, it's like Mazarijan or something. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't have it in front of me, so I would butcher it for sure. Yeah. Um, and also that was, you that was on, really good too, by the way. I didn't Kev, get to listen to that one. Kev, uh, and he ended up, he was, he was facing pitcher list in round one mm-hmm. or well after his playing round and he had the lead until late and uh pitcher list came storming back and, and took it at the Nick, very Nick end. Nick put but, out a three word tweet, vote for pitcher list. And, and pitcher that was list it. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I mean, listen, I, I was just happy that Kev got a lot of votes. Yeah, he did. Um, and he puts on honestly, he's a, he's a very very good host. Um, I was really impressed by him. He's a 26 year old kid out in LA, and uh, we've been talking for several months. And um, yeah, I think it's going to be a pod that that gets a lot more um, a lot more pub, and that's good because yeah, I think that's he what this, it. that's what the tournament's all about. Exactly. And you were also on our arch nemesis for one day. Dingers. Oh, <laughs> dingers. That's right. Which was a fun show. Also. Yeah. I listened to it after we, we went up against them and I, I enjoyed it. It was, it was yeah, I know. I couldn't promote it while we were going against them. I mean, I guess I could have, but you know, <laughs> no. And uh, Robbie and Ty are both great guys. Yeah. That, it, that, you seem like you guys had fun. We, we all, we laughed so much. It was, it was a ton of fun. And uh, again, you know, they, they're more prospect guys, but they found a way to incorporate, um, you know, they, they, uh, they're like, well, we like you and we want to find a way to incorporate you into our show. And I was like, Hey, okay. You know, it's cool by me. I, I offered them a little advice with uh, Eli Morgan. They ended up picking him up in some league somewhere. So I was like, okay, cool. Yep. Uh, we were 
together we were on a Rinko Palazzo. That was uh, about a week and a half ago now. Also fun. Yeah, yeah that was another fun. We show. didn't we didn't finish it though, unfortunately. Yeah. We still have to do the well, second we'll, half of we'll it. We'll go back. Yeah. Um that was good. Am I forgetting any? Uh, th- that sounds correct to me. Those are the um, ones that I've listened to that I remember. So. Yeah. <laughs> There's probably more. I shit. <laughs> you're you're a popular guy these days. It's a, it's I mean, a solid list. Hey. Uh I anytime to go on take with it, any take of advantage people, of them, yeah man. why not yep um they're all great guys they're all good pods if you haven't listened checked out any of them you don't have to listen to my episodes but go and listen to all of these guys because they all put out really great products yeah uh tony we want to thank you for joining us bud it's it was fun talking to you today we can find you on twitter where bud um that is at specter <laughs> s-p-e-c-t-r-e 14 spelled Excellent. the right way and thank uh you. spelled and, the right way and uh <laughs> what what do you what do you talk about on twitter tony um, I talk about Browns and, and <laughs> stupid shit. And on occasion I talk baseball. So, so hey, if you if... talk about a winning football team though. Ooh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, I mean, it's well, once baseball season starts up, I'll, I'll be talking more baseball. I but... think we're going to, we're going to ask you what you tweet about every time you come on and yeah. we give your Twitter handle just cause it's a well, because, gag. well, I mean, it's also once people would follow me and then they see me like just spam during Browns games. They just unfollow me instantly. So it's, 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 it's good to give them, give them a warning ahead of time. So they're not caught off guard. All right. So Tony, uh, JJ Watt, Cleveland Brown. Yes or no. Do you want, do you want my heart or my head? That would be so cool. My, my head says no. My head says he goes to Buffalo. Yeah. So you, my think heart, that my mitochondria, all the way. you think the mitochondria tweet meant he's going to Buffalo? <laughs> I mean, I, didn't see I, this I, I, I will, I will say that the bills conspiracy theories are way better than the ones that the Browns have been able to come up with <laughs> the, so the, the, the blue and red this? picture on the TV. There's a mitochondria center in Buffalo. Um, they showed it. He had a picture of his wife eating wings. Um, oh, geez. Are you serious? I, I mean, it's, there, there's, uh, he said, it's all a uh, bunch of subliminal he, said, crap. he said free agency uh, is, um, I forget what it was. It was, it was some kind of like Buffalo Bill reference or something. Huh. But um, but so you're buying this then? I, I I like the conspiracy theories from the bill. I, I don't I don't know. I, I'm just ready to, <laughs> to get disappointed. In all honesty, that's what's going to happen. Is is I I what what I want for the Browns and what happens never never comes true. So that's fair. Yeah. I'm just I'm just anticipating. Would... So so the tweet was the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Yeah. And that's all right. he tweeted. And then somehow that what apparently... does that have to do with Buffalo? Tony said something about there's a mitochondria it, in Buffalo. It, there's like a mitochondria research center in Buffalo. Okay. Like, like I said, the Bills okay. fans were, were going all, right. all, all wild with but, it. But, but it's they... an energy thing. Maybe maybe it has to do. With I don't know, man. Who's tweeting about mitochondria? All right. I was like, okay. Okay, I don't know. Fair enough. He's, all right. he's, we, he's we... screwing around. We, we've given them enough Browns talk. Let's let's close the show. <laughs> so you can be found at Spectre 14. Dave, where can you be found on Twitter? That would be run DMCD. At at that D. D. And I can be found at the Dust Mite. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. And we will be back with you soon. Peace. Peace.